starting lineup of your favorite show and producer, 5'11", from Blanchester, the cow killer, Casey McCollister, and comic engineer, standing at 4'8", the pride of the west side, Elliot Rearing, and your host, weighing 150 pounds, soaking wet. Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. No trace. I'm off the bench. I'm literally the name of the show. I've come off the bench, taxi wow. squatted from Louisville, and here I am donating it. Our boss has to do some CEO things. He's got to keep payroll on check. Got to make sure that we keep our job, so we thank him for that. But I'm filling in for him today. As I mentioned, we are presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way 10 hey. to 12. P. Does that still go on? Does Trey still do that? Yeah, I think. But it, it, he does it like at the end of the show now, and it's oh. also not always the 12. So it's uh, yeah. So it's not always at 12. So there's no news to report here in the Queen City. Um, the franchise tag window has opened. It ends at the beginning of March. Typically, these things don't come out. Like some people anticipate that the T Higgins news will come out today. I don't anticipate that. But there's no news to report. We'll see when it unfolds. Normally, it takes a few days. Um, the college basketball teams don't play till tomorrow. The Xavier Musketeers will take on the Providence Friars. The University of Cincinnati Bearcats will take on the Pokes from Okie State. And as it sits right now, according to TeamRanking.com, which I assure you is not a good source of uh, college basketball stuff, but according to TeamRanking.com, University of Cincinnati currently has a 57% shot to make the NCAA tournament. Xavier's still holding on with a 45%. Both teams are going to need to win their games this week to keep those hopes alive. We will get into some college basketball in the second hour. Mostly we will be talking frauder for real. We'll do the buy or sells, love it or hate it, whatever you want to call it. Today love it or hate it. Today it is fraud or for real around some college basketball teams. Yes, we will be talking about Purdue as that seems to be a hot-button issue. But that'll be in the second hour. Also in the second hour, I'll give you my top 10 teams in the NFL as we start officially the postseason. So, yeah, my top 10 teams as I think they sit currently right now. We'll talk with Charlie Goldsmith at 10.30 as he's down in Goodyear, Arizona. So he's being a trooper, waking up real early, getting to talk with us. But I take it over to these guys in the room. Guys, thank you for being here today. Elliot, Casey, Casey. Casey, is there a breaking news sound effect we have? Uh... We have breaking news. Oh, no. The Chicago Cubs have officially signed Cody Bellinger. Have they really? Well, they spelled it David Peralta, oh. but it's very, it's very <laughs> close. It's very close to Cody Bellinger. Uh, but yeah, good luck to the Cubs. David Peralta seems like he's a real good guy. That was a good one. You put, I mean, that was admit that one was good. So Will you my, admit that one was good? In my family. The mouses, the mice. Every once in a while, there's this little trap. You might have seen it. You might own some. It has a little spring on one end. It has a, a little lever. And I just saw the cheese that Elliot put on that trap. And I just <laughs> nibbled it right up. And it just ah sprung right on me. David Peralta, it is what it is. I mean, all Cubs fans are losing their minds. I mean, I'll give it to the owners. They are really sticking it to Scott Boris. They are sticking. All, all of his top free agents are unsigned right now. Because they're just like, hey, Boris, they, they, heard, they heard the Marty Brenneman interview. Yeah. He said, hey, this guy thinks you're the Antichrist. 
and we're uh, we're not signing any of your players. But I'll, I'll give it. You know, David Peralta, he's been a fine player in the past. He's going to be a, a depth piece. It is it is what it is. But thank you for for trolling me, Casey. Did we celebrate your birthday on the show yesterday? No, it was not brought up one time. Casey, I want to tell you, I am proud of you for having a birthday. Not everyone gets one of those. So happy birthday, Casey. Casey, who was the first one to text you that it was your birthday? Happy birthday. Who's the first one? Ooh, um, it was actually probably my wife. Okay. That, well, well she about, did, she did, she did about... text me. She actually just rolled over and said, hey, happy birthday. Nice. Bonk. So. Uh, but I, like, I'm talking about, like, co-workers. People that work in the company. Yeah. Who, who's the first one to text you, Casey? Uh, I think, I, I don't know. It might have been you, Elliot. Hmm. Because it's interesting because I texted him before he texted in the group chat. I texted you personally. Did you? I did. You remember? We, we had a little conversation about your thing. Oh, yeah. I that's right. Actually, it, so was, it, was, it was Reed. It I'm, was Reed. It was me. Damn. I texted him at like 8 in the morning. Damn. Yeah, it was Reed. I didn't do it in the group chat. I, I, thought, don't, I don't need everyone to see how much I love Casey. Actually, I think Elliot was last. He puts his little, hey, it. happy birthday. By I'm, the way, I'm, it's he, all the show group chat he's talking about with, it's just us three. So it's not, hey, everybody. It's just us three. Right. But so I I I, I, I think you were last second. then. Huh? I think you were last. Well, I was in second. I was in well, second. Well, out of two people, that's out last. Of two people. That's last. Yeah, but, yeah. How old are you, Casey? I am 32? 26. Oh. 26. So officially off health care. Yeah, officially off health care. All right. Well, be sure to stay careful. <laughs> <laughs> stay careful. No car accidents. No injuries. No walking nothing into the falling bullets out of the sky. Anything like it's that. It's a bad city be... for that. This is a bad city for that to happen. It is. It's not. It's not good. I don't have my Kevlar umbrella with me today, so mm. I gotta be mm. careful. P- PB's ghost loved the Kevlar umbrella P- joke. Yeah. Do you think I was gonna make a joke towards that? I'm, I'm not gonna make any jokes about what you just said because uh, it seems like there's some people on the show that used to be on the show consistently that made a lot of fun of it. I'm not gonna be that person today. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna say I love Hamilton, Ohio, and I'm gonna move on. I'm a very weak individual. Because I like to think that I, I have some, some, some takes, some opinions, but they get beaten down. My Cubs fandom has been beaten down by you guys, all of you guys um, that watch this show. My friends, my family, they constantly make fun of it. Um, my love for the city of Hamilton, my passion for the city that I grew up for, has been beaten down by Elliot and Tom. And that's okay. That's okay. I just don't talk about it as much as I used to. I compartmentalize it, and someday um, when I'm a very, very sad boy... Um, I'll realize that it was because of you guys. It was because you guys tore down the city that I love, that everyone I know, my, where I found my wife, where my family's from, everything that you guys, everything about my life, you guys hate. So I don't, I, I don't think that's true, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, speaking of hating, oh, Anthony Rendon hates his job. That was so good. He hates his job. Listen, there was a news that came up yesterday, and you know this comes around with Anthony Rendon every once in a while. Really, ever since he he signed with the Los Angeles Angels. And Casey, you have the you have the uh, the transcript of the interview, so we'll, we'll put it on the screen. We'll read a couple moments, but we'll read the big parts. So Casey, go ahead and flash that up. Um, last year, you said you considered retiring. What's your mindset now? My enthusiasm has has been the same since I got drafted. To be honest with you. I was actually deleting old emails because my storage to the maximum in my email. So I'm going back and deleting old emails. I emailed myself a pros and cons list of one of why I wanted to stay in the game. This was in 2014, a decade ago, when he was first breaking into the league. My thought process of the game has not changed since then. I keep making it this long. He says that he does not uh, – he made the pros and cons list, said his family and his marriage, his four kids – are a priority over baseball. And he got kind of killed for it. He got kind of killed for that. 
So he said that baseball is a priority in the same sense that it's being a job. So here's my take as we, as we come back to this. Not everyone has the same dream. And I'm not going to kill Anthony Rendon for not liking how he makes money. Most people in America don't like their job. Most people dredge waking up every day and going to work, making money. But for some, your talent supersedes your own will. And when you get a quarter of a billion dollars, that's what he signed. He signed pretty much the exact same contract that Joe Burrow signed last year. Seven years, $250 million. This was back in 2020. When you get that much money to play something, even if you don't like the job, you've got to do it. It's your responsibility. He's in the top half percentile of baseball players on the planet. So he's got to do it. I'm not going to kill Anthony Rendon for not having the same dream as me or so many others. And I, I hate to admit this. I feel like a loser when I admit this. I still, at night, when I lay my head on my pillow, and, and Elliot imagines Brock Purdy hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. That's I right. sometimes dream of playing professional baseball. It's the only dream really I've ever had. I've got a fantastic life, wife, and I still makes me, it still makes me sad when I wake up from those dreams. I'm not going to kill Anthony Rendon for not having the same dream as me. He's made a quarter of a billion dollars doing this job, and he's got to show up to do it. I don't know what your guys' take is on this, but I don't think any less of Anthony Rendon for not liking playing baseball. Adam Dunn was a very famous Cincinnati Red that didn't like playing baseball. He just did it because he could hit the ball 450 feet. Yeah, I, I, I saw this quote yesterday, and I listened to the interview. This, this, is, this goes back to what Reed just said, and it's that not everybody has the world's greatest passion for their job. Some people are good at things, but it doesn't mean they like their job. You know, I, Anthony Rendon is one of the world's greatest baseball players. He's probably not a giant fan of the sport. That's okay. That's how he makes money. That's how he provides for his family. Where, where, this, where this gets a little confusing for me is that the, the signing with the Angels has gone so very wrong. This will go down, and I, t I was telling Reed before the show, this might go down as one of the worst contracts in all of baseball. It hasn't worked out. In four seasons with the Angels, he hasn't eclipsed 58 games played. Offensively, he's nothing. Defensively, he's nothing. He contributes nothing to the Angels. Yet he makes a lot, a lot of money. And I think that's where the, the questioning was coming into play because it seems like, uh, at least from the outside, from a stupid fan's perspective, it seems like it's, it's very visible that he doesn't want to be there. It's visible mm -hmm. that he doesn't want to play participate it like his disdain for baseball is noticeable and i think that's i think that's where fans are kind of a little bit tired of it so this is where you can't get mad at anthony rendon for making 250 million dollars because he deserved it like don't he was so he played on the 2019 washington nationals who won the world series this is a team that has future hall of famer max scherzer on it um future hall of famer i believe juan soto on it perennial all-star trey turner on it Perennial All-Star, former Perennial All-Star, and Cy Young candidate, Steven Strasburg on it. And Anthony Rendon was the best player on that team. He deserved every cent that he got in that contract. But you can't kill Anthony Rendon for signing that contract for making money. No. 
You can get mad at the Los Angeles Angels front office for not doing their due diligence. And though I say you can't get mad at people for not having the same dream as all of us, for not liking the sport as much as, say, I do or, or others do. But you can't get mad at the front office for, for like, not. No, I, I'm not mad you, at the, you can't get mad I'm at, not mad at the front like, office. Hey, you know, before we give a guy a quarter of a billion dollars, does he like doing the job that we are going to pay him to do? Does he enjoy showing up to the ballpark every day? Listen, our, our boss, Tra Trace Fowler, who pays all of us, who gets sponsorship, probably a prerequisite for this job is, hey, do you like being on camera? Do you want to be in front of people? Do yeah. you want to you know, give takes? Do you want to give opinions? Do you want to do this? Even if you're good at it, and do you want to do it? Seems like a prerequisite before you sign somebody. I agree. I mean, I the way I look at it is he takes his job home with him too. Like it's not he doesn't get a break like we do from a nine to five job. He has to constantly be working every single minute of every single day, staying in shape, working out, making sure he's in a good position for the, the ball club to win. So I kind of get – I understand where he's coming from. In a way, it's like you never get a break when you're a professional athlete. Never. Right. I, and I think this is where the line's a little bit – you're right, Casey. You're right. And a large part of that whole discussion yesterday was he basically said, you know, in, I don't want to be injured all the time. Yeah, I drew yeah, luck, quit. My, right. my job makes me hurt all the time. I don't want to get surgeries on every part of my body every single year. And that's where it's kind of – you can kind of see the love for baseball – drain from his body uh, year after year having to deal with all that. And that's the part where Casey's 100% right. You're bringing your work home every single day. Reed and I have this conversation a, a lot. It's like, I don't want to bring our work home. I, we work at Chatterbox Sports. Mm -hmm. We don't like to bring it home a ton. So when you're a professional athlete, it shouldn't be different. It shouldn't be different. The difference is, and again, it's, it's because that he makes a lot of money. And that's, and that's, and that's where we differ. Right. He plays... And this is where, like, a boys the, game. the older generation will say, well, he's only playing a game, right? It's just a game. And he's playing, and he's getting paid millions upon millions of dollars. So why not be a little bit grateful? That's what I, th I think that's the, that's the disconnect. And Evan's right in the chat that that reporter clearly had a was motive. Fishing. Was fishing. That, that reporter cl clearly had a motive with those questions. But saying all that, again, if, if, you're, if you're me, if I was an Angels fan, and, I, and I'm looking at this Anthony Rendon contract, and I'm seeing that interview. I'm, I'm not walking away happy from it. I think that's a fair point, too. I think, I think you're allowed to be a fan and say, I'm not thrilled that one of the highest-paid players on our team hates the, the sport. And again, that's, that's misquoting. He didn't say he hates baseball. He said it's not a priority, so that was my bad. But the, the point being is, again, I, you would want your guys to like what they do uh, when you support them night in, night out as fans. Let, let's also like be very clear about him saying it's not a priority. It doesn't mean he's not doing the effort that it takes to win either. Well, That's not what that means. It means that it is not the utmost important thing to take care of. But he's still doing it. He is still at the top of his level, right? He's Despite not being good. hurt. He's not very good. Well, when they signed the deal... When they signed the deal, he was at the he's top best free of his agent game. on the he, And he's been in the game he's, for quite a long time. A so decade, yep. My point is, he was still doing enough to have success. It wasn't like he wasn't completely ignoring 
taking care of himself and all that other stuff. And, and yeah, and here's the thing is about the, the top priority. Your, your job shouldn't be your top priority. I hate to break this to some of you. If, if, if your job comes before your wife, your kids, your family, I would go out on a limb and I apologize for, uh, assuming too much here, but I would assume that the happiness level that you're living in your life isn't very great. Now you can feel fulfilled from your job and you should give your job all the effort that you have, all the extra effort you have. But the stack, the, the second that it takes a front seat over your faith, your family, your wife, your kids is perhaps when you should reel it back a time or just a step or two. Just and, a step or two. And I think it didn't help, too, that I think it was either right before or right after the Mike Trout clip kind of came out. And he was basically saying, I'm loyal to the Angels. Mm -hmm. I want to be here. Trading, trade, getting traded, wanting, requesting a trade is the easy way out. And we're going to play that clip right now. But I think it, it go, it's just Angels fans seeing two superstars mm -hmm. – behave in very, very different ways regarding their organization. This right. is Mike Trout. For me personally, I'm focused on the season. I'm not worried about what happens or where I'm, am I, do I want to get traded? I'm not going to get traded. I'm not worried about any of that. I'm going out there and play my game. I got I to put a full season together and see what happens. I think the biggest thing right now is I think the easy way out is just ask for a trade. Um, you know, there might be a time, maybe, uh, I've, I really haven't thought about this, but, uh, you know, when I signed that contract, I, I'm loyal, you know, I want to win the championship here. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's mainly, I think the, the, the overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is bigger satisfaction bailing out and just taking the easy way out. So I think that's, that's my, been my mindset, you know, maybe, down the road if some things change, but that's been my mindset ever since the trade speculations, you know, came up. So that's where I'm at. And I, and I think it goes to show, and again, Mike Trout, one of the greatest players of all time. He stuck with the Angels through all their trash, uh, all their baggage that they bring. He stuck with them. And I think fans look at that and then they hear Anthony Rendon say, baseball isn't a top priority for me. And they get upset. So that's where the overreaction comes into play. The yeah. reporter was fishing. Some people don't like their jobs. That's just how it is. He makes a lot of money doing a job he doesn't particularly love. I, it's not. He, he's a human being. It's it, it's 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 not one thing where you have to love your sport or love your job always. Right. And and sometimes your your God given gifts are are so great that you have no other option. Listen, there's actors who hate what they do. Yeah. There are singers who, who can't stand going on a stage. There are comedians who hate being thought of as a joke. All these oxymorons are just part of the life we live. Sometimes you have so much talent that it overflows, and you, and, and you really don't have a decision on what you do. The way that he helps his family, which is his top priority, his, his kids, his wife, is by prospering in a sport that's going to make him a quarter of a billion dollars. So... I get it. Listen, I get it. And uh, Nick Kirby actually put a really good comment in the chat. He said, this has happened many times, folks, in all sports. A guy gets a monster payday, then production, motivation, health goes south. Just about the time the ink dries. I remember Andrew Jones, who for a decade was like Ronald Acuna-like, Hall of Fame level, 
if Andrew Jones gets into the Hall of Fame one day, it'll be for that 10-year stretch where he was maybe the best player in baseball. Signs a huge deal, comes into spring training, and does the opposite of what every commentator says. Best shape of his life. Andrew Jones put on quite a bit of weight. Wasn't the same player. Wasn't that same guy that played in shallow outfield and got 10 gold gloves and would steal 40 bases and hit 35 home runs. Wasn't that guy anymore. That happens. You chase one thing, and this is where some people are right when they are weary of giving big, big paydays. But as I've said earlier, you can't get mad at Anthony Rendon for saying, hey, I love my family, my wife more than this sport. I don't like this sport that has caused me to be injured all the time as much as I used to. And even then, he said 10 years ago, he did a pro and cons list of why he should stay in the game. That was when he was breaking into the league. Can you imagine finally getting into the, the pinnacle of whatever profession you choose and you go like, do I still want to do this? Do I still want to show up every day? I don't know. Listen, we, we, we talk about that there's things about everyone's job that they don't like. I'll be, I'll be honest, just as me just laying it out. One thing that comes involved with this job that I don't necessarily love is all the social media aspect of it. I, I like tweeting. I like telling a joke on Twitter. I don't like scrolling through Twitter all day to stay up to date with the news. I don't like always having to put opinions out about every single thing. Yeah, I like messing with people from time to time. That's where the troll read comes from out under the bridge. But everyone has something in their job that they don't necessarily love. All right. Before we get to uh, Charlie Goldsmith, we'll, we'll, we'll briefly touch on Justin Fields. And I want to talk about Justin Fields later in the show, too, when we open up the lines for callers, because I really do, I really am interested in your guys' opinions on the whole Justin Fields, Chicago Bears, what they do. Because I've said it multiple times on this show before, and I'll continue to say my opinion on it is that it's, it, it's pretty cut and dry what the Chicago Bears should do. But yesterday it came out that Justin Fields no longer follows the Chicago Bears on social media. And this is kind of the new age of sports journalism, right? Who do they follow? Oh, they, they like this person's cryptic tweet. I love this, this. random fan, fan's cryptic tweet. Oh, did you see Justin Fields recently followed Bijan Robinson and Drake London? Does that mean he's going to the Falcons? This is what we do. In the, in the era of social media, in the era of Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, this is what we do. We say, hey, those tea leaves over them, over there. Let's try to read through them. What is going to happen with Justin Fields? Oh, I don't think he's happy with Chicago. In fact, he unfollowed him. This is sophomore to me. It feels like a high school relationship in a way. That when you break up, what do you do? No, you just don't amicably split ways and say, hey, this isn't working out. So let's... uh." Let's go see other people now. What you do is you block them from every social media. You go, I delete your number. No longer. Snapchat, gone. Twitter, gone. Instagram, blocked. I don't want to see you anymore. If we have the same classes, you, you walk one way down the, down the hallway, I'll walk another way. Make sure we don't see. That's what this feels like. And this is where I think athletes have kind of a sophomoric approach to their job to where why does this feel like a relationship i know they are breaking up i know it seems like hey this 
This team that took you 11th overall is giving up on you because a, a shinier new toy is coming up in the draft. But at the end of the day, it's just business. It's just business. Why do we got to delete? Like, listen, if, if Trace Fowler sits me down and instead of sending me to AAA goes, hey, Reed, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go. We're going to have to use the money that we used to pay you in Elseways. I'm not going to block Chatterbox. I'm not going to just disown Trace Fowler and Sean Spurlock because they fired me. I'm not petty like that. And I just don't understand why athletes do this. Across I, the board. I don't understand why they do it knowing what's going to happen when, you, when they do it. Because there are the weirdos out there. And I get, when did that become a thing? That we're just going to start checking who follows who on Instagram. I feel like that's a somewhat new phenomenon. Maybe over the past 10 years or so, it's, it's really kicked in. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I am petty. I do hold grudges. So to <laughs> say I wouldn't do this, I, I can't promise that. But I'll, I'll say this. It doesn't really mean anything. I, I, the, the, the stranger point, the stranger thing to do is going on Instagram, searching your favorite athlete, and seeing who he follows. It's just, it does, it's just, it's just a non-story. Everybody can calm down. Now, it does seem that when you do it, it certainly seems like when you get caught doing right. it, is, is, it, it, it does say something. It means Justin Fields knowingly and willingly hit the unfollow button on the Chicago Bears Instagram account. So it's, there has to be something not good that's happening there, and, and that information is, is available to everybody now. So Can I, can I play devil's advocate sure. here? Because I don't – love you to. I don't uh, – Two hours of film. I don't necessarily feel like this is how I – what I think of the situation, but Justin Fields has been talked about a lot, a lot. And all the Bears accounts, whenever they post something, there's going to be someone mentioning Justin Fields, whether it's negative or positive. Mm-hmm. And with all the uncertainty surrounding whether you're going to be in Chicago or Atlanta or Pittsburgh or wherever, maybe he was just tired of it, needed to unfollow it so he wouldn't get mentioned all the time or, I, or see it all the time. More, more or less see it. You're saying he's just trying to stay away from the whole thing. He's, he's just tired of seeing just his tired name. tired of seeing it, yeah. Listen, long before this happened, every post that they put out about Justin Fields, there's going to be about 100 – hundred people going this guy sucks yeah part of the job there's very few people that are universally beloved hell even in this city there's people that still try to drag down joe burrow so it's just part of it it literally is just part of it so no i don't think it was necessarily him trying to just just avoid all the bad things i will say um for all the uncertainty this is like the first bit of seeing through the fog to where if yeah the quarterback that's still on the roster doesn't want to be associated on, on social media. He kind of knows what's ahead. He kind of knows, hey, maybe they sat him down and go, hey, hey man, we're, we're going to try and find you a good location, but uh, we got to reset the clock on this whole quarterback thing. And uh, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't like this part of, of new age sports talk show and new age sports opinions to where – a, that we're even going through who they follow, who we even care, and then B, why do the player unfollow them? Listen, if I was in the NFL, I'd follow every NFL team on, on every social media. Why wouldn't you? Why would you not just follow every team? It's part of your job. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if I played for the Bengals, I would follow the Steelers and the Ravens and the Browns. It's just part of it, right? Just, hey, this is a part of my job, and these are teams that I play a bunch a lot, and I want to see what they're posting. 
it just seems a bit trite. It seems sophomoric on on both behalfs, both fans for for even doing this, and and, and really Justin Fields unfollowing him. I don't know. I, I well, I want to get your guys' opinion later in the second hour when we get there, but it just seems so abundantly clear that what they need to do is is started over. It started over. Justin Fields will win a lot of games in the NFL. He really poll, will. Poll question of the day. Poll question of the day. Should the Bears keep Justin Fields? Flash it up there. I think that's a good poll question. And the answer, I think, right now is clearly no. You have to move on. It's a reset. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as young as you guys. I'm 27. Mm. Casey's 26. Mm. Ellie, Ellie Rue is uh, 22, 21. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's just 20. 24. Uh, I know. Nick Mormon says, Reed is very based today. Can we do a, a teaching read? What does based mean? I think you based, guys let me know. Is that Nick, a good thing? Evan always says I'm based, and I, so, or sometimes I'm based. I don't know what it means either. I think it's a good thing. I think if you're based, it's a good thing. That's good. That's good. I, I, I came up looking. I'm wearing my Cincinnati Reds red as I'm getting ready to interview Charlie Goldsmith. So, I'm, I, hey, I'm being a team player. My dad just texted me, by the way. What did he say about my mustache? He, he said, Reed's mustache looks great. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I, my wife told me, she looked me square in the eye and says, Reed, you look terrible. And then, and then, I don't, I don't know. If I put a hat on, <laughs> I kind of look, I kind of look like a, like a blue collar, like a <laughs> handsome blue collar boy when I put on like a trucker hat. So, some jeans. You got to rock jeans? some jeans. Oh, no, carpenter boots. pants. Carpenter jeans. Like brown carpenter jeans and some steel-toed boots. I actually wore steel-toed boots to uh, Kings Island um, a couple months ago. Really? And, uh, yeah, I like walking around in them. And uh, they, wouldn't, like, they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> Wait, seriously? Yeah, because of the steel. So what happened? Like the metal. Did you I, leave? I brought shoes because oh. Mariano was like, they might not let you in. So I like walked in and they're like, hey, will you go change your shoes? Like, do you have an extra pair of shoes? Like, sure. Yeah. AJ says your wife, your wife is right, Reed. The crust dash is a horrible look for you. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know it. what? Because of that, I'm gonna shave all of this to a mustache tomorrow. I will I'll shave my mustache. You. My mustache is on a timer. I am getting rid of it. I believe next Monday, next Tuesday. Our first Miami game is next Tuesday. And I want to show up to the ball field looking looking nice, looking like a looking the like ball a yard. Yankee. Ball yard. The ball yard. The ball yard. Down mm -hmm. at the ball yard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, we put it as the poll question. You we guys did. know my take. Very briefly, Justin Fields, yay or nay, Chicago Bear. Sh Justin Fields, sophomoric for unfollowing the Chicago Bears. Hmm. Sophomoric, yeah. I, I, sophomoric. I think I – think, I think it's a little bit uh, JV. I think it's a little – it's a JV move when you do something like that. I think you're petty. You're trying to show the world that you no longer support the Bears. I think you're, all, you're doing it for attention. Uh, and it's not a good look for – in my opinion, it's not a good look for a player that you would want on your team. And, and that might, might be the final straw, the straw that broke the camel's back. Because I, if, if I'm the Bears, I look at that and I say, all right, we made the right call by not keeping you here. I don't know if it's sophomore because what what are you supposed to do when you do get traded? Like, just keep following. Like that's the only yes, account that he that, the only team that he follows is the Bears. Like that, and now follow gonna, them all. Like I don't, I just don't. It's it, one it, thing if you follow them all, right? But he only follows the Bears. So what is he supposed to do? Like, just keep the Bears on there, and then 
Let me ask all you the a fans of the new team are going to be like, well, why do you still follow the Bears? Let me and... ask you a question. If you guys don't know this about Casey, he was he was a little lover boy in high school. He he he, he always had himself a girlfriend. Always he he doesn't know what single Casey's like. But back in high school, you dump your girlfriend. Yeah. She dumps you. However, however you split. Did you block her from everything? No. You would still follow her? Yeah. On social media? Yeah. So why does Justin Fields unfollowing the Chicago Bears? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to defend my guy. Like, I don't know. It just seems like we're crushing him for something very just insignificant, in my opinion. It feels very insignificant. Like, See, this what, is why does it matter? It's, it's a little bit significant because it's finally like we, we kind of didn't know what was going to happen with this whole situation. Oh, well, yeah. And now... if the player is showing that he doesn't even like being associated with the team, then how is the team supposed to keep him around? Well, What's yeah, worse, I, I, Anthony Rendon or Justin Fields? Ooh. Um, By far, it's Justin Fields. It's not close. People are just weird, man. Like, why why go and search who you're following? Like, that – I feel bad for Justin because he's in an impossible spot. You're not supposed to follow the team. Unlike what Reed said, that he would follow every team in the NFL, I feel the exact opposite. I would only follow the team that I'm on, and that's it. It's all or nothing. I'm trying to win a championship with my team. I yeah, trying to, I'm just, not trying to. So watch let me the let me Chiefs let me do some. That's Ravens a good point. Or, that's a good point. Let me check the the Bears depth chart. See who their quarterbacks are. Because at this moment, he's still on the Bears. Correct. At this moment. At this moment. He's still on the Bears. Hmm. Who does Joe Burrow follow? I will go. I don't I'll, know. I'll base off of that. See, this is Don't where look it up. he's got to follow the Bengals, right? <laughs> yeah, I sure hope he follows the Bengals. You got to follow the Bengals. I don't listen. We're gonna guys. look at this live. The Justin Fields thing is pretty cut and dry. The, the whole situation is, and yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, going against Justin Fields here, and I know I've kind of bashed on him, and I know you guys think it's because I, I dislike, uh, I dislike. Ohio State, which I have bashed on them before, but he's been so far removed from that. It's not an Ohio State thing anymore. It's just I just, I just don't know. I, I think he's going to win a lot of games in the NFL for another team. I think it's pretty cut, cut and dry what the Chicago Bears do. And to be honest with you, if you're, if, if you're going to say, Reed, you're just saying that because you don't like Ohio State, or Reed, you're just saying that because you don't like Justin Fields. The opposite side, the only reason that they want to keep Justin Fields is because you don't like Caleb Williams? And why don't you like Caleb Williams? Because he paints his nails? Because he cries after an emotional loss? Caleb Williams is one of the more talented quarterbacks I've ever seen in the college level. And he's been successful. Look at look at the great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Patrick Mahomes had a losing record. Had a losing record in college. Go look at Josh Allen's college stats. In the Mountain West, weren't great. 20 touchdowns, 10 picks. Caleb Williams, though he has struggled against great teams, and I would say it's mostly because the roster around him in college, where I think your roster determines way more on who wins and loses than in the NFL. Caleb Williams willed a Trojans team to be one of the best teams a year ago. And yeah, I know they struggled. They got no D. I mean, they got linebackers that weigh 140 pounds soaking wet. That doesn't play at top-tier level. Caleb Williams is a guy. 
And I'll, you know, if, if everyone wants to go around and say, hey, Caleb Williams is going to be a bust, future bust inbound, whatever you want to say, I'll stake my flag and saying, hey, if every guy that looks at prospects, looks at college prospects, says this is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck came out, then I'll take their word for it. They know more than I. They know more than I. Comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, come on. I'm just saying. If you want to draw the analogy, I'm not saying that Pat, that Caleb Williams is going to be Patrick Mahomes. I would say the play style looks a lot like little a lot alike. But comparing somebody, I mean that, that that's what we do with Brock Purdy when he wins a couple games. We compare him to Tom Brady. We say, oh, this this situation is very similar to Tom Brady. It's what we do. We like analogies. We compare players to players. It's the best way for our our, our mind to wrap around. It's the easiest way. And, and if you want to compare him to anybody, yeah. Patrick Mahomes makes a lot of sense. Gunslinger, or at least the former version of Patrick Mahomes. He's honed it down in recent years. It just seems entirely cut and dry. Pay Justin Fields $40 million for 10 and 28. I know the team was bad. He's going to be a fine quarterback. He's going to win games. But you get a start anew with the best quarterback prospect that most people say is the best quarterback prospect in over a decade since Andrew Luck. And this is, in the past decade, we've had uh, Trevor Lawrence come out, Joe Burrow come out, name them all. Those were top prospects. I don't know, guys. I don't know. It feels, it feels to me like the Caleb Williams hate is coming from a place that's not football related. That's my only take on it. Do, do, we, do we as fans push back the second that some guy gets called great immediately. That's what people did with Patrick Mahomes. That's what people have done with, I don't know. That's what people did when Shohei Otani came to the league, compared, compared him to Babe Ruth. Everyone's like, this guy sucks. What are you talking about? This guy ain't going to be Babe Ruth. You got to compare him to somebody. He's the first guy to pitch and throw or pitch and hit since Babe Ruth. I think it's just a pushback of, Everyone telling you how great Caleb Williams was right when he came back. And then, yeah, the off-the-field stuff rubs football guys the wrong way. I get it. Has there been a prospect uh, that's had the talent that he's had but has been seemingly written off by so many people before? Have there, has there been somebody like that? That, like, despite everyone saying this guy's going to be great, everyone's like, no. Yeah. I can't recall one. I don't think there has been. I think I don't I, think I don't I don't I don't recall one. I think Caleb cried one time after a loss, and everybody ruled this guy out. And that's what I'm a little concerned. Like, and again, I'm part of the hater crowd, I guess, because I don't I'm not a big Caleb Williams guy. But saying that, it's crazy to write off this guy, and, and we're saying JJ McCarthy's going number one overall, while while Caleb Williams, I'd argue, ha has had a, a phenomenal college career. So I, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember I can't remember any player that's experienced this much scrutiny with the level of talent that he's had like this. I, I, I don't get it. Maybe because he lost the Heisman this year, and maybe I, I don't know if you can say he even lost it. Um, but he was certainly the favorite coming into the year, and then obviously it just didn't work out that way. But I don't know. I, I I'm still high on Caleb Williams. I yeah. Listen, I and and uh, Everett Henry says if if Williams was written off, he would. He would be going number one in every mock. He wouldn't be going number one in every mock. That's a great point. I'm not saying that guys that guys that watch him play, that watch the tape, that part of their job is 
showing, hey, this is how I think the draft's going to go. This is, I think this is a good fit for this team. This is a great quarterback, great quarterback prospect. They all very high on Caleb Williams. It's the fans that just go, yeah, he's a bust. Yeah, I don't know. And, and Elliot brings up a good point. I, I, don't, I don't recall. I think it's a, a combination of he was listed as the first overall pick last year. Everyone knew he was going to go first overall in the draft. So it just kind of got old. And they didn't have a whole lot of success at USC. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And yeah, the, 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 the paint and the nails thing, everyone brings that up. And yeah, everyone brings up him crying in the stands. That was a big story after they lost the game. Crying with his mom in the stands. God, heaven forbid a kid do that. But if, if, if you're going to have me pick a side between the quarterback that has shown improvement, but small improvement, and is 10-28 and 28 as a starter, that's going to get $45 million starting next year, or the guy that most people that do these drafts says is the best prospect since Andrew Luck, it's, pretty, it's a pretty easy decision. It's a pretty easy decision. I haven't seen how the poll is going. Should the Bears keep Justin Fields? 57% say yes at this moment. 57%. Hmm. That's wild. That is wild. That is wild. Do you think they should draft J.J. McCarthy instead? J.J. I want people – I want J.J. to succeed. I want – because everyone's just like, this guy sucks. And it's worth mentioning that. He's getting first-round looks – in a, in a very good quarterback class. Like, just for frame of reference, Drake May would be the first overall pick in almost every draft over the last decade besides, like, three. Uh, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, na name them. And JJ, so JJ's geared up to be taken 15th overall, 14th overall by the Las Vegas Raiders, which that does fit with the Raiders. Um... Mindset, man, the Raiders can't get it right. They can't get it right. Bears can't get it right either. And that's what scares me. I mean, they're sitting in a spot where it, it seemingly they can't they can't mess up as we're still waiting for, for, for Charlie. I, I don't think I don't think I, I again JJ McCarthy we just said uh, Mo said JJ doesn't suck. I don't think he sucks. Nobody's saying he sucks. I just don't think he's a top fifteen, top twenty talent. Yeah. Uh, in the NFL, but he, he feels more like a guy you take in the the early second rounds. Yeah, um, like a, like if if uh, if he went to a team, he seems like a better version of what like Desmond Ritter could have been yeah. for that Falcons. Winner doesn't have the the intangibles maybe, but well, it was a pretty good play. Yeah, pretty good. But we uh, we digress, and it looks like we we got Charlie Coldsmith coming on the program. We ready to go, Casey? Hey, Charlie, how's it going? How's it, it, it? The sun's shining down there in Goodyear, Arizona. It's early, bright in the morning. Looks like you got a nice tan. How you doing? <laughs> the sun is right in my face right now at an awkward angle. So I did a poor job setting up that lighting. But yes, there is some uh, some tan going on. Yeah, you you look great. Uh, I imagine it's it's a lot warmer there than it is here. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit jealous. Never been down to Arizona. These guys are going here, you know. But before we get into to all the questions, and I had a myriad of questions that Elliot helped me out on. No Drew sample questions. No Drew sample <laughs> questions. So we'll, we'll stay away from those today. But first thing I want to ask is, you know, every spring training, you get down there, you see the same tweet from almost every single team. This guy's in the best shape of his life. Who took that award 
coming into spring training. Who got the this guy's the best shape of his life award? The the, the tweet thrown out. I'll give you two, and you know, make into the read into these what you will, but they're allowed to be in the best shape of their life. Right. Um, Spencer Steer has the best sprint speed of his career, and then I'll tell you what, Buck Farmer looks great. Buck Farmer is in the best shape of his life, and I haven't seen him pitch yet in a live batting practice setting. I think that might happen in the next couple days, but overall, you know, he's looking pretty good. Good. All right, so Charlie, injuries played a massive role last year. As we sit going into spring training right now, are there any major injury concerns with anyone at the moment? Um, you know, just some general, like they're taking an aggressive approach to the spring, but they are ramping guys up on a gradual basis. So like Lodolo's gradual, he's probably, you know, the biggest injury situation to monitor going forward. Um, his arm looks great. He threw a bullpen off the mound, like the real mound on the field uh, the other day. I think he's got another schedule today. Ashcraft's ramping up, both of them getting kind of their legs back under him. Can, you know, the, the running progressions, all that kind of stuff. Marte's doing the same thing. Indy is doing the same thing. Maul and Young had some minor issues. Maul I saw back on the mound. Young I haven't seen back on the mound yet. Uh, so that's generally where they're at. <clears throat> yeah, pitching, pitching certainly. And, and, and while we're on pitching, Hunter Green, you know, the big news came out yesterday that, you know, he's, he's working on two new pitches. He, he's working on a splitter. He, he's trying to, to help that curveball. Uh, do you think these will be used this season to, to change that, uh, you know, heavy diet of fastballs that we've seen from Hunter Green, which is an electric fastball, but just a, a change of speed. Do you think that will be heavily used this year? That's the goal, right? Like, so what Hunter Green's third pitch had been was his changeup. And it had been a long journey of Hunter building up confidence in the changeup, but he never quite got to the point where he was using it consistently really in games. And he needed that third pitch, especially against left-handed hitters. So they're like, let's just find something that's comfortable. And the curveball, definitely something to slow hitters down. But then the splitter, I think, if he really gains confidence in it, that's really what he needs to be consistent and, and you know, effective against left-handed hitters. So, you know, he already has a high foundation from what he can do and what he can be. But he needs more answers for, you know, when he's not at his best, when this pitch isn't working, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe the curveball and splitter can be part of those solutions. Yeah, when you talk Hunter Green... The, the big question is, can he be the ace? You look at all the teams that made the postseason last year. The teams that go far, they've got that shutdown guy. When the season is done, do you think Hunter Green will be regarded as a bona fide number one of this rotation? So I look at Hunter Green as like, uh, not like a Steph Curry type, but like a Clay Thompson type. So like what I mean by that is when he's on, he can win you games against anyone in baseball. He, he in the playoffs could outduel. You know, Corbin Burns, I know he's in the AL now, but I think in the playoffs, Hunter Green is capable of outdoing that type of pitcher. There are also games where Hunter Green is pushing in the fifth inning and they need to give him a quick hook because something isn't working. He admitted last year he needs to be better when his, you know, top of the line stuff isn't on. And that's a process. We forget how young he is. We forget how short of a minor league career he had due to injuries and COVID and all of that stuff. So it's a progression. I certainly think he has the upside to be. But I do think right now, look at what he did against the Twins last September. He is good enough to win you any game against any lineup. Yeah, he certainly has the shutdown stuff. And I, I, I brought that this up is if the, the Reds make the postseason next year, I think the talk, regardless of what happens in the first round, the first round they play, will be Hunter Green. He either shut it down or he blew it up. And that's kind of been his MO to this point in the season, which is why he has an inflated ERA. Sometimes he's got it, sometimes he doesn't. But, you know, while we talk about Hunter Green and, and can he be the ace of this staff, assuming everyone stays healthy. Obviously, Frankie Matas was was brought in to help. Um, Graham Ashcraft, Nicola Dolo, who you brought up, have some injury concerns. Assuming everyone is healthy, 
Where do you think this rotation ranks amongst other major league teams? I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's health, right? So, like, we talked about Hunter. Hunter can be really good. Lodolo, David Bell said this, and David Bell doesn't say stuff like this just to say it. David Bell said when healthy, Lodolo could be their best pitcher. And I think Lodolo might have been their game one starter last year if the Reds had made the playoffs and if, you know, Lodolo had returned in September and all of that happens. The buzz of camp is Frankie Montas, and he's another guy like just like legitimately. Look at the numbers, look at the data, look at the foundation of who he's been. When he is healthy, Frankie Montas has been a top half of the rotation starter. Um, Andrew Abbott, every team wants an Andrew Abbott. He's a, he's a pitcher's pitcher who, you know, carried the rotation through September. Ashcraft, you know, everyone's looking for their version of Graham Ashcraft. Brandon Williamson would be in 95% of the rotations in baseball. I think if everyone's healthy, it could be a top 10, top five rotation. Now, they haven't shown they can be healthy. That's the thing, right? And so I, I'd project them as more towards the league average right now, just because everyone has to be healthy and prove that. But if they're healthy, if you're giving me that, man, you know, sign me up for this group. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of talent there. A lot of talent. Health is, is the number one key. Let's flip over to the, the field. Jonathan India. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about how Jonathan India's role on the team is going to be. He's going to be moving around the field. Is there anything uh, that you've seen in camp about how he looks, you know, um, kind of getting into the outfield role? So he's been slowed a bit due to, you know, he had to manage the plantar fasciitis. So he's not like going through the full running progressions with the team right now. But, you know, while they did that yesterday, India was on the side kind of working through some very specific outfield related drills with Colin Cowgill. He's working on specifically, you know, adjusting his throwing mechanics to fit him in the outfield. I haven't specifically seen him out there, you know, chasing down a bunch of fly balls. That's not where he's at yet, just because of the reasons I mentioned. So, yes, it's too soon to tell. But, you know, you got to stress this. India's here for it. India's ready for it. He's excited about it. He wants it. He's embracing it. And to me, that's, you know, the first step in making sure that's able to happen. Yeah, you, you know, Jonathan India is just one of the many pieces that's going to be in the lineup, out of the lineup, moving around, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of players that play, and that's how it was last year, kind of a platoon role, and David Bell s said it's going to be very similar to how it was last year, where not everyone's going to be starting every day. Do you think this is the right move going forward based on just all the young pieces that they have, the pieces that they brought in, that, you know, hey... They're, you're not going to play every day, but you're still going to be a big part of this team. You, you might get 100, 110 games, but there's not going to be a set lineup for 145 games of the year. So I'd do the same thing, and here's why. Like, I don't have all the answers. They don't have all the answers. Like, <laughs> how many questions are there? Who's better, Will Benson or Christian Encarnacion Strand? I don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. Who's better, Jonathan India or Noel V. Marte? You know, we could keep playing this game. Jake Fraley or... Um, Spencer Steer, like, well, Spe you know, Spencer had a better season last year. I understand, but just purely against right-handed pitchers, who's the better hitter in those situations? Who's the better defender as a corner outfielder? You know, we could play this game with nine players on the roster. And if you asked 100 people to rank them, you know, the survey would say that there'd be about 100 different answers for where those guys rank. So they just kind of need more information. But the baseline is these guys are really talented. And kind of Ellie and McClain have a head start. I think they'll play the most. Friedel as well as your everyday center fielder. But aside from that, there's just so much they need to learn about this group that we'll see over the course of the season. Yeah, well, one piece that, you know, high ceiling, a lot of people are very high on him, Noelve Marte, right? Obviously, the Reds signed Jamer Candelario this, this offseason. Is there a world in which uh, Marte takes that everyday third, starting third base role away from perceived Candelario? Of course, 100%, especially if Candelario is comfortable and successful at 
at first base. Like, Obi Marte was the best hitter in September. He's very confident about offseason adjustments he's made to tap more into the power. Um, that was really what was so encouraging, too, is was the, I talked to him about this yesterday. When the Reds traded for him, they got a power-hitting shortstop. That was the scouting report. And then the first skills he demonstrated at the big league level were the approach to plate, the consistency, like, you know, Ellie De La Cruz is great, and, and, you know, he's made some adjustments to work on all that stuff. But, like, think of where Ellie struggled last year. Novi Marte didn't have any of that. He was good at all of that stuff right away, and now he's really combining that with power, and that's where the upside gets really exciting. So he's really molding himself into, I think, an all-star caliber type of player Mm -hmm. when you look at the long-term trajectory of his career. And so certainly if that happens sooner than later, that's totally a possibility for this season. I don't know how old you are, Charlie. Are you a millennial or a Gen Zer? You know, I, I I don't know. Born in 1998, I don't know what that makes me. That that would make you a Gen Zer. So from one Gen Zer to another, I'm gonna ask you a very Gen Z question. What are the vibes around camp? What are they around camp? Because it's a very different, you know, going into the season. Last year projected to win 65 games. This year, very real hopes to make the postseason to win the division. What are the vibes around camp? Here's where Reds, fan, Reds fans start to get excited. You know, I've had to, <laughs> uh, I've made this point a couple times, like the band's back together and the vibes are there's no introduction there's no feeling out where people fit on the team it's been like they've been talking about what they were going to do in the first week of spring training since september 30th you know when they got eliminated you look around and it's like real talent and you look at last year like you know last year these guys it was like you know they were young guys they were taking people's spots they were entrenched veterans who would be the starter in april who knew they probably wouldn't be the starters in june this year eddie everyone pretty much knows exactly where they fit Everyone's really comfortable with each other. They really like each other. And then one of the big stories is, too, like, and I'm not just saying this. You know, the young guys are, are saying the ways that Montas and Candelario and Pagan and Suter have not just fit in but already taken leadership roles and been the veterans that the Reds have been looking for. Like, nice. it's fitting, and the pieces are clicking. And it's, like, honestly exceeded my expectations. The talent level and the fit that you're seeing kind of take a step forward in 2024. It has been a very encouraging start to camp in that regard. All right, You're, I think you fired up some Reds fans in, right, in, in the chat. One question I got to ask you before before I leave you: Who's an underrated player that you're excited to see this spring? Frankie Montas is number one. Like, yeah, I talked really? about him earlier. Like, he could be really good. Um, under the radar, I think people sleep on Connor Phillips. I think he was fantastic for two starts in September before the worst start in Major League Baseball history. His stuff says his stuff is as good as anyone's. People aren't talking enough probably about Blake Dunn. Like, he could be this team's backup center fielder. Maybe not on opening day, but you never want something to happen to Friedel. But if an injury happened, I think you could see a lot of Blake Dunn. And then out of the bullpen, Zach Maxwell and uh, Jacob Heatherly are two very low-key, under-the-radar names that I think could make an impact in 2024, or at least have the stuff to make an impact in 2024. All right. Thanks, Charlie. Hey, can you grow a mustache? Are you, are no. you capable? You cannot grow a mustache? Oh, I, I mean, I say, could, but it wouldn't look good. I say, I say next time we bring you on, we'll, we'll just be mustache guys. I've been growing mine out, and it's been very specific for this interview. I wanted to impress you, Charlie, so I hope I did with my mustache. Well, I'm impressed. I'm thank impressed. You. Thank you. All right, Charlie, thank you. Thank you for hopping on. I know it's early out there in Arizona. Always bring the good stuff. Thank you. You can find Charlie Goldsmith at Cincinnati.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks, fam. See you. All right. Charlie Goldsmith fired me up a little bit. What I heard was the Reds are going to the World Series, and Charlie just confirmed it. That's what I heard. Uh, Because, again, the vibes, and you brought it up, great question by you. 
I do think the vibes are so drastically different this year. Maybe and maybe that's a bad thing a little bit because it means expectations are going to be way higher than they were last year. Well, again, the thing that made last season so spectacular was that I thought they were going to be the worst team in the MLB. I, I, I honest to God, I, be, I believe that. So when, when, when you come out and you win 12 in a row or 11 in a row, whatever it was, and then you have a chance for the playoffs within the last three games or six games of the season, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world when you're a fan. I, I think what he said was, it was very interesting regarding um, uh, the platooning of guys because I think there should be, a, at some point, yeah. there should be a set lineup. I don't know. Again, maybe you wait until halfway through the season to figure that out, but I do think at some point you have to make a decision as to who you're playing where consistently to get that player cons consistently okay with the role uh, and to get the fan base okay with, to get everybody okay with it. Um, now, granted, last year they were able to execute that plan to perfection. I'd say Nick Kirby gets credit with the big red platoon, but uh, or Sean Cotter. I, but either way, nice, thank you. But either way, at some point we're gonna have to make a, a set lineup, a set decision, and maybe and maybe it won't come for a, for a while, and that's okay. But I'd like to see some consistency. I don't think I don't think Noel V. Marte is gonna be on uh, or gonna be a platoon player for long. I think he's going to take that third baseman job away from Candelario. Candelario is gonna move to first, and Strand's gonna go to DH. That's what I think is going to happen. That's an in, in, ide in an ideal world. That's what happens. So here's the thing. You bring up good points that, that every baseball fan likes. Is when you go to the ballpark. Ball yard. Ball yard. When you go to the ballpark, you want to know what the starting lineup's going to be, Correct. right? You you want to like talk to your friends. Like, hey, we got we got Friedel leading off. We got Ellie batting too. Whatever it is. That's comfortable as a fan. You know, this person bats fifth. This person plays left field every day with a few variations based on rest. That's not what the Cincinnati Reds do. And it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. I will say that, you know, as a as a former D3 baseball player, about a 250 at a very prestigious school called Bluff University, um, it can be dangerous to not know your role on the team. If you, it's okay to platoon as long as you know your role. As long as you know when we face a right-handed pitcher, I'm going to be playing right field and I'm going to be batting seven hole. The danger comes from platooning is when you're stressing about your job. It's from where you, you, you show up to the plate and go like, man, I haven't had a hit in a while. I need a hit or I'm not going to be in the lineup. They can't trust me to do my job anymore. When you play that tight, you've seen this in basketball. When a dude's fighting for minutes and he comes on the floor and he knows he has to perform well to earn more minutes, that can, that can make you play worse. That when that's in your mind, you can't do the things that you, that you know how to do every day. That's where the mental mistakes or where you misplay an easy ground ball. Or you take a wrong route to a ball in the gap. Miss your cutoff, man. You know, you, you miss the first pitch in the middle of the zone or you take it because you're too stressed about getting on base. Platoons work. And there's a reason that they want to do it. When you have so much talent, like the Reds do, perceived talent, you know, both at Young and get some veteran players to help fill the gaps, you've got to use them to their, their greatest ability. You just don't want them worried about losing their job. You've got to be very clear. If you're David Bell, if you're the front office, you got to sit everyone down and be like, hey, this is, this is your role. And you're going to continue to get that role every time that it shows up. When we face a right-handed pitcher, you're starting in right field, Will Benson. When we face a lefty, you're starting at six-hole. CES. 
You've got to be very clear on their role so that they aren't worried about losing it. And when you start messing with it, when you start mixing it up, you can add some implied stress to the players. But the one thing that I took away from Charlie's interview that should get Reds fans absolutely fired up is that the vibe isn't just different amongst the fans. The fans just aren't excited. The players are. They know they have the talent. They know they got the veterans that have been brought in. They know what this team is capable of. Now, can you go out and do it? A lot of question marks, both in the pitching staff, both in the lineup, a lot of young players. As Marty likes to bring up all the time, the phrase sophomore slump was originated in the game of baseball. Did the Reds front office do enough to eliminate the players that are not going to play as well as they did last year. Are they able to fill those holes? Are they able to do what this city thinks they can do? Certainly got the talent. Can they go out and do it? Thank you for writing those questions, Ellie. I wrote those? No, that was you. you just, you're the, Red, you're listen, the Reds fan. Listen, here. listen. I know I'm wearing my red today. I, it was very... I, I, I wore red on purpose. If I've got to do sports talk in Cincinnati, i got to play the part. Did a piece of me... A little piece of me die as I try to hype up the Cincinnati Reds spring training. Yes. We'll get a Cubs guy on real soon. Let's see if we can reach out to Gordo. <laughs> we'll get a we'll talk Cubs baseball. Well, we can talk about the hour. big David Peralta signing. Yeah. And Dominic Smith. You didn't even bring up Dominic Smith. They got Dominic Smith, huh? Dom Smith. How about that? Yeah. Is he gonna is he gonna like what what position is he gonna play? First base, I guess? Mm, don't no idea. Because I think that's what he was playing for New York at the end there. As David Peralta is not a bad signing though. I'm pretty sure David Peralta was pretty good. Last it's a he was all right. He, he's he's a big league he's a big league player. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me. He's do not Cody Bellinger. Let me do a quick little check. He's not Cody Bellinger, but he's a big league. Yeah, player. he was fine. He was fine. He wasn't great. He I was think fine. Dom's. I think Dom Smith is a is a hedge of the first base because they got Michael Bush. They yeah. anticipate either Matt Mervis or Michael Bush to play first base. Um, Dom Smith is at least someone where you kind of know what you got. You kind of know. Dom Smith, you... okay. Dom Smith, he's, he's not as bad as I thought he was going to be. 168 OPS plus in 2020. Is that right? Yeah. He that's played He played in damn near every game. That's that's saying something. There you go. The best ability. What is it, Casey? Availability. That's right. Availability. Uh, outside of that, from, from what Charlie said, I will say this. I am, again, the highest I've been on the Reds in my lifetime. Coming really? This year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without, without, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm going to try to break my record for going for most games attended this season. Which I, is? I think the number's 23. That happened in 20. When was Wade Miley's no hitter? 21 or 20? 21. 21. So when that year happened, I went to a couple games with the Reds when they were out of town as well, including Cleveland. Um, I think my record was 23. I'm going to try to get to 30 this season. I think I can do it. I think I can do it, and I think I'm going to do it. I still got to reach out to Caleb513 to do a We've got to do a, content a, with a ball a ball hawk video. I I need to do a ball hawk video more than anything I have needed. In my Caleb life. goes to every game. He does. That's a fan. That's a fan's fan. There's there's a couple of those those Reds Twitter fans that go out there every single night. Can um, I tell you one of as as someone who truly loves baseball. There was uh, I believe it was 2021. Yeah, it was the year I got married. Um 2021, I went to I don't know. There was a week where I went to seven straight baseball games. Six were um, to the Reds, and then one was to Florence Yalls, as I saw one of my um, one of my friends play against the Florence Yalls. So I went seven straight days to a ball game. I sat on the bleachers. They were playing the Padres, playing the Padres. So Fernando Tatis and, and that team. 
And there was this family behind me, a grandpa, probably late 60s, early 70s, a mom, and like four kids. And the kids, the oldest one couldn't have been nine years old. He was, he was younger than nine. And every single move throughout that game, every pitching change, every position change, every pinch hitter, those kids knew every player. I don't remember exactly what, what relief pitcher came in, but I'll just give one from last year. Ian Jabot comes in the seventh inning. Goat. Runners on second and third, and the kid's going, oh, no. Like, literally just sees Ian Jabot trot out from from the bullpen and goes, no, not Ian Jabot. He stinks <laughs> with runners on base. Like a nine-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid. They knew every player on the team. And I turn around and I say, you guys have season tickets? They say, we live 10 minutes away. We come to every game, every home game. And it warmed my heart that there are still, not to bring up Moneyball because you know my opinion on it, there are, it's it's just so easy to get romantic about baseball. It's a good quote from a great movie. I mean, the warm weather, sitting with your family, just nice, wholesome experience. Get a hot dog, drink a beer, get a frosty malt, whatever it is. It's just, nothing's better. Nothing's better. Nothing's Especially better. when you're a fan of that team. Like, if you're a fan of the team and they're decent, and you're going every night, oh, it's so good. Because mm -hmm. it feels like you're a part of the team a little bit. I, that's how I feel when I'm a Reds fan, at least. And I know I make fun of the fact that people don't go to games, and on weeknights it'll be hard-pressed to find 10,000 people at that ballpark. But there is something cool about just being there with like an, an entire empty section, just you and a buddy, mm -hmm. and you're just watching the game. Your feet are on the, uh, the seats in front of you. The ushers will come down and say, please get your seats off. There might be somebody sitting there real soon. But then those people never come. It's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Any new, ball, any new uh, fields you're going to this summer? The plan was to go to the White Sox. Never been there? I've never been to the White Sox. Okay. I've been to Wrigley a lot. I've never been, I've never been, been to twice. whatever they call the White Sox Stadium now. What is it now? U.S. Cellular? US, is it cellular still? I believe so. Um, but anyway, I, so I, that was the plan. But I have a wedding that weekend, so I can't go anymore. The plan is to go to Atlanta and I think Philly. I think. I've never been to either one of those. I went to Turner Field when Turner Field was built. I, I saw Hodeo Nomo pitch. Really? Gary Sheffield played for the Dodgers. Hodeo Nomo was a, it was a cool cool experience. I'm going to see Coors Field this year on my birthday, day after my birthday, May 10th. Coors Field rocks. Rockies. Uh. Casey? Ads. 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 Uh, the Bearcat report, which is, I guess, going to happen tomorrow when they play tomorrow, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world. With the suite of services from mobile computing to desktop data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and... Productivity! Productivity! The path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. Begins here. Oh, nice. Visit Encore.tech. And let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. Pining water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, drink lots of potting water to switch that coffee down, and get your technology solutions with Encore.tech. Also, programming notes, we'll have a gaming stream later today. Oh! And uh, 
I think we're going to continue our franchise with Mr. P. Water. So for the members, look yeah, out we gotta for that. Yeah, we got to finish that. Football season's over, so it's honestly going to be hard to just sit through this. Because, I, I again, not that, not that I'm going to spoil anything for anybody, but in this stream, I play the character of the owner of this team. And I'm very mean, and it's really it really gets under been my skin. Been fired multiple because times. I, I have fired both coaches multiple He's times. He's sleeping with my wife apparently. Well, <laughs> on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I was again. This is part of the stream. Again, I this is I, w I wouldn't have said that here on this show, but to each their own. Tune in for the show today. It's a great stream. You should watch it. You should become a member and enjoy that. Also, um, I think. Um, one programming we, note is we posted a video yesterday. It's a new thing we're going to do, which is top 10 list. Everyone loves a good top 10 list. I actually just sent you a DM of the of Elliot's top 10 list, oh. so you can watch this. So we're going to bring it up. We're still talking about the Reds. Um, Elliot brought up his top 10 players he's most no, excited for this year. Um, so if you guys haven't watched that video, he brings up his top 10. I, I push back on some players. But here's his top 10 list of uh, players he's most excited for this year. He has he's very high on Noel Noel Marte based on his September. Very high. Um, it's hard not to be high on Ellie De La Cruz, former Noel still overall. on a hitting streak, by the way. There you go. Um, I think he put Ian Jabot in there as a bit. Ian Jabot was a bit. Was a bit. Full disclosure. No Matt McClain, no CES. He had Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India in his top five. Um, yeah, some people pushed back. No Matt McClain. Was that just an oversight? Yeah, Matt. Again, I, I was thinking. I was thinking too much of the bit for Ian Jabot. Matt McClain should have been in there. He would have been ahead of pretty much everybody except for the top three. So he would have been number four on the list probably. Yeah, but to be, to be fair to you about the Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India thing, they couldn't get much worse. So yeah. th there there is something to look forward to that they're probably going to be better. Get worse. And that's and that's and that's what I think. Evan says I'm denying CES. I do. I, I don't think CES is going to be the world's greatest player. I think that's fair to leave him off the top ten list, but I, I I'm excited for CES. I like CES. I think people were I think people were more upset with the Injibo thing, and that's fine. Uh, I I did it as a bit. Ever anybody who knows me or who follows me on the X.com knows I have an Injibo bit, and that's why he was there. Matt McClain should have been on it. I fully recognize it. But other than that, I thought the list was fine. I thought the list was serviceable. Yeah, I, I would have. Charlie confirmed that Frankie Montas should be a player. That Frankie Montas for. absolutely should be excited. I mean, that's a signing. Um, Candelario. Candelario again. I'm I'm not gonna try to be too down on the Reds based on past things, but it feels like we haven't hit. Maybe because we haven't done it a lot. We haven't really we haven't really gone out and got a big free agent bat a ton over the past twenty years or so, fifteen years or so. And when we do it, it hasn't worked out great. Nick Castellanos, I'd argue, is maybe the one guy who it worked out mm -hmm. uh, perfectly for. And even then, he still got hurt. So I, 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 I'm not too excited. I'm not. I, Will Myers, we went out and got last year. I thought Will Myers was going to be a great addition to the team. Will Myers was cut a month into the year. Cut. A $7 million player. I think he was the highest paid player on the team outside of Votto. And he was just gone. Cut. So I, I'm not I'm not going to get too excited about Condelario. I, I maybe that hurts some Reds fans' feelings, but I I love the signing. It's not just because he played for the Cubs last year. It's because, like I've brought up multiple times, when you have so many young players, you can't like is it is it unheard of to think like is it crazy to think that they're all going to have a down year? Yes. Is I think it's also as crazy to think that they're all going to get better. So. I used this phrase before. Elliot liked it. I used it towards the rotation. And a, and a lineup full of question marks, Candelario feels like a period, right? You know what you're going to get. Three out of the last four years, he's been a very good hitter. 
a very good hitter. Was good last year. Switch hitter, plays multiple positions. He's a big, he's a veteran bat. You got him for like $16 million a year. That's that's a great signing in all, in all seriousness. It, it feels impossible for that signing to go so sour, right? He would have to be a hitter that he's never been before, and he's been in the league for almost a decade for it to be incredibly sour of a deal. I, I get not being super excited for him, though, because you kind of know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. You're going you're gonna to get a guy who's going to be batting six hole more often than not, five, six hole, and he's just, you know, he's just going to be, he's going to be getting alarm. I just want, I just want healthy. If this team can stay healthy, we're going to win the division and we're going to win a playoff series. That's a promise. If everything goes perfectly, <laughs> how rarely does that happen? Always, never. But Who, which player do you think has the most uh, false hype? Like, like which player has the most false? Hype? Like, uh, people are are hyping this guy up, but you don't like you're low on the hype. You're not buying the hype on on a certain player. Like CES is a, is a, is a decent example. Everyone like a lot of people are like this dude's gonna hit 40 home runs at GABP, and I get it. Big strong guy hits the ball a mile. He has that ability to do that. But is it likely that he turns into a 40 home run guy? I don't know. I think my answer is Spencer Steer. I really don't think, and I know you hate him. I don't but hate him. You hate him. Uh, it's not Stuart Fairchild, Fred. No, Stuart Fairchild has no ceiling. But here's the thing. I, I, I think Spencer Steer is taken for granted because of what he is. And what he is is the world's best platoon player. He's not good defensively, but he can play serviceable defense at any single position on the field. And, and I think it kind of gets lost in the mix. You have the magical, the magical speed with Ellie De La Cruz. Noel Marte ended the year on a 25-whatever game hit streak. CES... He's going to hit 40 home runs this year. Will Benson, he, he hit some of the coolest walk-offs of the year last year. And all around the field, you go around, you're like, where's Spencer Steer at? Spencer Steer happened to be probably the best offensive player all of last season. Certainly the most consistent player. When you needed a hit, you can trust on Spencer Steer to get that hit. And I think some fans lose that. So I think he's a guy that's underrated and still going to have a great year. Kirby, Kirby put in a guy that, I mean... Could be Matt McLean. Everyone loves Matt McLean, and and for for good things, you know. In half a season, he hit 16 home runs, 50 RBIs, batted 290, had an on base of 360, had a slugging over 500. Like those are phenomenal numbers, and plays pretty good defense to boots. Yeah, this is a guy defense. that's been a first round pick twice, but you know he is undersized. He's only five foot eight. He's a small little guy, but he's a great player. He's a great player. Hey, I think maybe he's. I think he's. I have a hard time believing that Matt McLean won't be a good baseball player. Like I have a like No, yeah. I, it's just comparison to the hype. Like, is he a perennial all star? Maybe not, but he's gonna be a dang good ball player for this team for years to come, for his entire tenure with the Reds. Matt McLean, I everybody maybe maybe he got the most hype last year outside of Ellie. Because uh, I, I, he came up, he was the first of the of the rookies to come up, and he shined so bright, and the light never really went out. Mm -hmm. Up until he got hurt, unfortunately, he was probably the best offensive player. Now, obviously, he was a, a smaller sample size, and then he got hurt. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Matt McClain could be, if you, if, if you have to look at this season at the end of the year, who, played the, who had the best season, Matt McClain's certainly on that list. I think Matt McClain yeah. can be an all-star. Uh, and, again, if he produces like last season, which was unbelievable. I, real quick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up those stats. Yeah, 16 home runs, 50 RBIs, 290, 357, 507 slugging. Had an on-base OPS plus of 129. Means he's 29% better than the average hitter in the league. How many stolen bases? He had 14. So it, he played about half the season, 
he was on pace for about 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 30 stolen bases. That's pretty incredible. Now, striking out 200 times, but... Well, we can strike out a lot. If, we, if we're going to get on base, that's the way the MLB's evolved, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, no I, I just, it's just the fact of the matter. You can strike out... Kyle Schwarber makes a living on it. He, sh- he strikes out three times, and the other at-bats a home run, so... If Matt McClain bats uh, Nick Kirby, Sean Connor, put in there, says, I feel bad for Matt McClain. He's going to hit 240, 330, 450, and people are going to say he, he's a, had a bad year. That's a pretty good year. I mean, that's a... In, in today's game, a three... 330-450, that's about an average hitter. Play good yeah. defense. Slightly above average hitter. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's exciting. Like, it's, it's exciting. Hundred, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Cincinnati Reds fan. There's no doubt can about you imagine what, what? But can you imagine how excited you'd be if you signed David Peralta? That's true. Didn't get him. That's true. We got him. That's, that's, that's our big, guy. That's a big signing. Mike Talkman, the summer of Talkman and the summer of Peralta, baby. Coming up, Northsider, Chicago. Serious question. Do you think there's a world where Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger aren't signed? I don't know. They're, 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 they're sticking it to Boris. They're, Matt Chapman's also on that list. Who's the fifth one? Uh, Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery's on Montgomery. So think about it. Last year's National League Cy Young Award winner. Yep. Not signed as spring training starts. The ace from the team that won the World Series. Not signed. The nationally comeback player of the year, not signed. Multiple-time All-Star Silver Slugger Gold Glover playing a crucial position at third base, not signed. Crazy. It's wild. Crazy. It's absolutely wild. I can only hope that maybe they maybe they'll take a little smaller deal and come to Cincinnati. Come home. You should get, you should get another infielder. Don't got, <laughs> yeah. no, don't got enough infielders. Don't got enough infielders. Blake, we'll take Blake Snell. We'll take Blake Snell. And then we'll move uh, Ladolo to the bullpen. And then that's it. All right. All right. Let's shift over to, to football. I promised you guys at the top that I was going to give you my way too early because everyone loves these. Everyone loves these. No one bashes these. My way too early power rankings as we officially have started the NFL offseason. Uh, the franchise tagging started today. We'll find out in the, the coming days if the Cincinnati Bengals, it's perceived that they will um, tag. T. Higgins and let Tyler Boyd walk. That is, uh, that was reported by Jesse Rogers. Someone like that. I forget. Um, from, someone from ESPN reported that the Bengals are likely to tag T. Higgins and let Tyler Boyd walk. Um, also let B.J. Hill walk was, I think, part of that, that tweet really? as well, which I thought was interesting. We'll see what happens. But here is my top 10 power rankings. We'll start at 10. We'll go on down um, as we start the NFL offseason. Casey, you're gonna, you want me to run this or do you, what, you, you tell me. I got, what. I got it. All I right. got it. Coming in at number 10 team that everyone, no one really saw the season they were going to have, but it's the Houston Texans. A lot of people will put them higher than 10th in the league. And I understand why, right? It's similar to what's going on with the Reds. Like you expect young players to get better every year till they hit their prime. I just have, that's going to be a much tougher division. It was tough this year. The AFC is very, very tough. Um, I think people are going to have more, more of a book on the Texans. Obviously, they didn't play well against the, the Ravens, who were probably the best team in the NFL in the regular season this year. Um, I just I think 10 feels like a great spot. I'm worried um, about the defensive head coach, DeMarco Ryan. I know he, he did great in his first year, but it has now been five consecutive Super Bowls that the guys that the teams that have made the Super Bowl have had offensive head coaches. 
So the last the last defensive head coach to make the Super Bowl was Bill Belichick. So that's my number tip. And you guys can chime in at any point if you guys disagree. This is a team that I think is going to... When I think of NFL teams, nine feels perfect for the Dallas Cowboys. Every year we fool ourselves into thinking, ah, is this the year the Cowboys finally get over the hump? Is this the year they finally make the NFC Championship? Are they contenders? And I told myself this year, I'm not doing that anymore. I want to see them get to the NFC Championship game before I ever think of them as contenders. They're still going to be a playoff team. I think the NFC East as a whole is going to take a step back. I think the Philly or the Phillies, the Eagles, we saw what they were in the second half of the year. Wasn't good. Uh, the Commanders are going to probably get Drake May, so they can't get much worse. The Giants, that's a, that's a meandering franchise. The Cowboys, they're going to win 10 games. They're going to make the postseason. They're probably going to lose their first game. That's just how it was. Coming in at number eight, this is a team that I was not high on to the very end of the year. I love their starting quarterback. Love them. The Green Bay Packers. Ooh. Now, the comparison that I made was between C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love. If you look at their, their season, their body of work, it's very similar. C.J. Stroud didn't turn the ball over as much. But you could argue that there was not a quarterback that played better in the second half of the year than Jordan Love. And if you watch him play, he's got it. I don't know what voodoo magic the Green Bay Packers have to where they just keep drafting great quarterbacks, let them sit for a couple of years, and they still do fine. But Jordan Love's a guy. This Green Bay Packers team was the youngest team to make the postseason since the early 70s Buffalo Bills. And they should have beat the 49ers to get to the NFC Championship. I think the Vikings aren't going to be very good next year. But I think the, there's another team in their division that's going to be on this list. But the Bears will likely have a rookie quarterback. Green Bay Packers, they're going to win double-digit games. They're going to get the postseason. They're going to be a threat in the NFC. I disagree. You disagree? You don't like the Packers? I don't like the Packers. I, but here's the thing. I, I respect Jordan Love. I'm still maybe not sold all the way in on Jordan Love. I think he had a great end of the year there. Uh, but again... And that division certainly will be at least uh, winnable. I, I think the Vikings are going to be pretty bad. Depend, I mean, I guess it depends on if they get Kirk Cousins. Um, and the Lions certainly are good. But outside of that, I still think the NFC isn't great. Uh, and who's the, who's the fourth team in that division that I'm, I'm missing out on here? Lions, Bears, Packers. Pa Bears, Packers. sorry. It was yeah. the Bears. Yeah. I don't think the Bears are going to be very good. Yeah, so I think the Packers are going to be able to win eight games. I just don't think they're very good. I think I, – I, Again, I could be wrong. So you weren't encouraged at I, all by their, their second half of the year. I was encouraged by it, but I still am not a believer in Jordan Love. Okay. I'm still not a believer. I'm, I'll, I'll stick my flag in Jordan Love. If you ask me right now if I'd rather have Jordan Love or C.J. Stroud, I think I'd rather have Jordan Love. That's fair. I think I'd rather have Jordan Love. Coming in at number seven, team that's looking for a bounce back. They'll have their quarterback next year. You guys might hate me for this, but number seven, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Who day? Um, listen, there's a lot of question marks. This is a team that made two consecutive AFC championships. They still got a quarterback in his prime in Joe Burrow. They still got one of the best receiving threats in Jamar Chase. They've got a young defense that I think we saw some decent things from the secondary towards the second half of the year. Um, they're going to be losing probably a Wouzier. They're probably going to lose uh, DJ Reader. So there are question marks. But at the end of the day, when I think about teams, I think about two things. And you can call me an idiot for doing this. It seems to work more than it doesn't. Do you got a good quarterback? Do you have a good coach? And I think the Bengals have a great quarterback, and I think they have a good coach. I think they played a very tough division. The AFC is very tough. 
but I think it wouldn't surprise anybody if the Cincinnati Bengals were back in the AFC Championship next year. Am I allowed to say, as a Bengals fan... You don't think they should be in the top 10? I don't think they should be in the top 10. There That's was, fair. I don't think there was enough last year, last year to say, I am pumped about this season, especially with the thought of losing T. Higgins, and, you're, and you have a defense, and I say this with love and respect, that was, outside of Trey Hendrickson, pretty bad. So I, I, I would say they, they should not be, and again, this is, might be mean, it might come off bad, but I don't think they should be close to the top 10. I really don't. Listen, they, they went 9-8 and eight with a backup quarterback in the toughest division, um, the best division that the league's ever seen, and played a top five schedule, toughest schedule, and they went 9-8. and eight. And now they're going to have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Hey, if you, if you want to stop seeing that guy from Kansas City hoisting up the trophy, it's, uh, it's that handsome blonde dude. That's not a fair the, point. Not this guy. But that handsome blonde dude that plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, that's got to stop him. The Bengals are literally the only team that gives <laughs> Patrick Mahomes a run for his money. That's right. the, the only team. Right. Saying that, based on last year what happened, I'm not the highest I've ever been. I'm going to temper my expectations. That's fair. We talk about expectations. I thought the Bengals were going to a Super Bowl. I put a lot of money on the Bengals going to a Super Bowl. Nowhere close. At no point during that season, there was that four-week that four week stretch, three-week stretch. Where they looked at the best team in the league. Where they were the best team in the league. And then outside of that, uh, it fell apart. So, no. I, but I, here's the good news. We're going to have a backup quarterback next year. That's the good news. I think. Unless he gets signed. The, the thing about the Cincinnati Bengals is it's going to be fun to be a fan again. I hate when expectations get so high. It's fun riding that train up that mountain. But when it's Super Bowl or bust, it's not a whole lot of fun being a fan. I like, I like going into every week needing to win a game. Not thinking you're going to win a game. That's the difference. This might surprise some of you guys for too high, too low. I'm very high on this team, but I feel like six is where they belong. It's the Detroit Lions from the NFC Championship game. Uh, Casey said that they are very similar. They got a very similar build to the San Francisco 49ers. I disagree with Casey about a lot of things. I fully agree with him on that take about the Detroit Lions. They've got a great pass rush. They've got a lot of weapons for a limited quarterback. They've got, you know, a bad secondary. But they, they protect their quarterback. They run the ball very well. Those are all – that's a winning recipe. And in a bad NFC, even though I had exactly five NFC teams, five AFC teams, I believe, they can absolutely get back to the NFC Championship game. I said when they, when they went to the NFC Championship game, this team isn't a flash in the pan. This Detroit Lions team is built for success in this league. I think Jared Goff is a better quarterback than most give him credit for. Now – Similar to my take, I think you got to have a better quarterback to win the big game. But this team's going to win a lot of games in a bad division. I th I think it's a little bit similar, and I think it's a, maybe very much similar to the 49ers, where I think, again, this is no knock on Jared Goff, but I do think that the roster around him is so much better than him. Uh, I think that's a winning recipe for the regular season. I think they're going to get probably the two seed in the postseason next right. year. Saying that, do I think they're going to win a Super Bowl? No, never. I'll never believe the Detroit Lions or any Detroit team can win any championship ever. But I think that's actually a fair spot. I think I think the Lions are going to get the two seed. I think they're going to win 11 to 12 games next year. Well, the Detroit Pistons win a championship like just a random team every 20 years. The Detroit Pistons, man. We don't talk about them. 2004, they won it. I think like in 89, they won it. But it's just like every 20 years, they just like have a random team that's good. Never a dynasty, just just we, really good for us. Can we stuff. just do a quick little check? Let's see where how what, how many wins the Pistons have. Where they got to the All Star game? They were double digits. Nope, they're not at double digits. Six, eight, 
Mm, close. Eight, We're getting there. Eight and forty-six. The yeah. Wizards are nine and forty-five, and that was talking NBA. Hmm. Hmm. All right, coming in at number five. I think this is the biggest surprise on my list. Now, I told you guys what I think is uh, overly valuable in the NFL, and that is quarterback, coach. Two most valuable things you can have on your team. I think this this team has a Hall of Fame quarterback, and I think they have a future Hall of Fame coach. Coming in at number five, it's Elliott's team, the Los Angeles Rams. I think they're very similar. Like if you're high on the if you're high on the Packers, you got to be high on the Rams. If you're high on the Rams, you got to be high on the Packers. Based off of what they looked like towards the end of the year, I know every game is created equal. But what did you do for me lately? How did you finish the season? When the games mean the most, what did you look like? And the Rams were a wagon at the end of the year. They draft so well. They took Puka Nakua. To 1,400 yards. They got Cooper Cup still over there. Got Matt Stafford, who's getting old, but can still sling it. He's a tough son of a gun. Now they play in a tough division. A division with another team that's yet to be listed on this. But Sean McVay is a phenomenal coach. Matt Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And this team is talented enough to get back to NFC Championship. If Kyron Williams can do what he did last year, they are going to make a run for the NFC Championship game. I, I firmly believe that. Their offense is elite. Their offense is elite. Now, their defense is not great anymore. It's certainly worse than it was when they beat the Bengals in 21. They still have Aaron Donald. He's not going anywhere yet. So I, I, I do think there's going to be— a step back, but he's still Aaron Donald. He's still Aaron Donald. Um, I think I agree with you. I think, I think people wrote off the Rams last year. They said, oh, there's no chance. I think they're damn good. I think people write off Matthew Stafford. I think he's the toughest quarterback in the NFL. Maybe the toughest quarterback the NFL's seen in the past, I don't know, 30 years. I'm trying, to think of, I'm trying to think of a tougher guy. And, and, and it's hard, you'll be hard-pressed to find one. And I, think, I think you got this spot on. I think the Rams absolutely are going to have a great year next year. I think you should get pretty excited. if you're The very few Rams fans that there are in Los Angeles get very excited. All right. So coming in at number four, go with one hot take. We'll go to another. Fourth, I got the team that you guys think I'm all secretly a fan of. I got the Kansas City Chiefs, back-to-back Super Bowl champs. Why are they so low? Why won't they be one or two or three? They've got Andy Reid. they got the best coach in the league. they got the best quarterback in the league. And you just said 30 times that you like a good coach and a good quarterback. Yeah. But there was that regular season, right? That happened. And at times... You lost a little faith in what the Kansas City Chiefs are. Did they win it all back by beating the Bills and the Ravens and the 49ers in the postseason? Sure. But come next year, they've really got to figure out what they're doing with those weapons. They've got to find targets for Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey's getting old. He's not getting younger. Rice, he looked okay. Do you think Rice is a number one? Sure, he's their number one. That's not saying much. Yes, they've got a great defense, but they're going to lose their best defensive player in Chris Jones more than likely. There's a chance that they lose their top cornerback in Sneed. So there's a very real possibility that this Kansas City Chiefs team takes a major step back. Do I still have them winning the West? Yes. Do I still have them winning a playoff game? Yes. But would you be surprised if they don't make the AFC Championship game next year? You shouldn't be. Heard it here first. 
you said you're saying I should not be surprised if they don't make the AFC Championship Correct. game. I'd be very surprised if they don't make the AFC. Fair enough. How am I gonna? <laughs> I mean, how are we gonna doubt them after what they just did? What they've done two years in a row. I again. It, by the way, if they were to win three in a row, I mean, that would break the that would break the sport. That would be it for the rest of us. Has there ever been a three peat? I don't think there's ever been a three peat. Never been a three peat in the sport. And it's going to happen to a team that people have belittled for now two years. Because two years ago, it was, was, this is the year to beat the Chiefs. This year was, this Chiefs team isn't very good. And now I'm sitting here saying they're not even I think there's going to be a lot of people like you, the Chiefs slappies out there, you and Nick (laughs) Wright. You and Nick Wright are going to say, everybody who's doubting the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey's getting old, the offense. What was the stat, Casey, that you had before, before the show? So it was basically Patrick Mahomes' average yards per touchdown has gone down significantly in every single season he's played up until this point over the past four years. Um, I do think there's a case where Patrick Mahomes is evolving his game a little bit, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. to being a a more – I don't want to use the word safer quarterback, but Mm -hmm. he's not not gunslinging as much. He doesn't need to score 35 points in a game anymore. I think I think the Chiefs will be playing for another AFC Championship game and most likely another Super Bowl. It's I've made my take about Patrick Mahomes, and I think that when it's all said and done, the dust settles. He, he, I think he's already list, made himself the second greatest quarterback ever, but he's done something that I've seen no other quarterback do, and it's been the the duality. He's been the Aaron Rodgers, the Brett Favre. He's been the the gunslinger. He's done that 50-plus touchdowns, made incredible throws that nobody else on the planet can do. And this past year, he toned it in. He, he reeled it in. And it looked more like a Tom Brady where he's just, you know, dinking, dunking, just scoring enough to win the game, relying on his defense. I've seen it both with him. Been incredibly efficient. First quarterback I've ever seen do that. All right, number three. Final team from the NFC, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are absolutely built for success for another year. After that, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens after that. But the 49ers are great on the line. They have great weapons, great on the defensive line, great in the linebackers. Secondary is a little suspect, but it's still pretty good. If I gave There's an opportunity for the 49ers, and no one wants to talk about this. Because for some reason, when you when you bring up a, a plucky quarterback from Iowa State and you say anything disparaging, people people show up with uh, torches and pitchforks at your door. But there's a quarterback in the free agency, and this is this is where I'm going to lose some of you guys. This is where you lose me. That's where I'm going to lose some of you guys. If the 49ers got Kirk Cousins, they'd be number one on this list. But Reed, Kirk Cousins isn't that much better than Brock Purdy, but he is better. I want you guys to look at something. Go look at Brock Purdy's stats this year with Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey and um, Debo Samuel in his prime and, of course, George Kittle. Then go look at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl. They're pretty close, and Jimmy Garoppolo did it without Brandon Ayuk. He did it with a rookie, Debo Samuel. Did it without Christian McCaffrey. Pretty close. I think this team has shown now that to win the Super Bowl, you got to have the elite guy. Brock Purdy's good. I don't think that's discounting what Brock Purdy is. He was the last pick in the draft. He's good. He's won a lot of games. Can win you games. But 
I think if they evolve at quarterback, this team's the best team in the league. If a wealthy billionaire gave you one billion, one let's say, let's say one million dollars, you get one million dollars to put on any NFL future right now. Uh, you have to bet on on a future. It has to be a future. You have to do it right now. Yeah. Is there any other option that you would take than 49ers to win the NFC? Is there another? Is there another for future? a future? Yeah. I would take the Eagles under and wins. <laughs> That's but. that's being a savage, but okay. <laughs> is there like I? But this just goes to your point. Yes, I, they're they. I mean, they're the Super Bowl favorites. They're the NFC favorites, and I get it. They're in a weaker division. They are stacked across the board. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I just want to see them evolve at the quarterback position. I think there's better quarterback. Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray's out on the market, I think he's a better option. Plays a lot of Murray. video games. Plays a lot of video games. Learn a thing or two from playing Madden. All right, that's my three. Final two teams are coming from the AFC. Casey hated this. Yeah, Absolutely this is, hated this. I agree with him. This is terrible. Buffalo Bills at number two. It's terrible. I put a premium when I made this list on how you performed in the second half of the year. And I said, Packers looked great. The Rams looked great. There's a reason that the Philadelphia Eagles aren't on this list, guys. No one had a better second half of the year than Buffalo Bills. People said they weren't going to make the postseason, and they won the AFC East. Josh Allen, maybe more than any other quarterback in the league, can single-handedly win you a game. Single-handedly. I think Josh Allen will be a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he will get over that hump. I'm not going to discount him for not being able to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the postseason. I'm not going to discount that. Buffalo Bills, it feels like for the past few years, they were given the Lombardi Trophy before the season started. Now everyone's like, I'm done with the Bills. I'm over it. I'll stay there. I'll stay in that camp. I'll go against the grain, and I say the Bills are here to stay for at least another year. I have the Bills at two. Josh Allen. So, so I'm going to give you some stats here. Some career postseason touchdowns. Justin Herbert. How many does he have, Reed? Career postseason touchdowns? Postseason. He's got two. One. Yeah, he just played one game. Tua. Um, he's played one game in the postseason. They did not score a touchdown. No, he had one. He had that one miracle. Tua has one. Joe Burrow. He has seven? Ten. Ten, okay. Lamar Jackson. Three. Nine. Oh, he got most of them against the Texans. <laughs> Josh Allen has 27. Josh Allen. Josh Allen has 27 postseason touchdowns. And I know everybody's going to sit here and say that uh, – uh, you know, he's, he's had a lot of help. But I, I'd say this. He's been throwing a lot of those to guys that, like, Dawson Knox. Like, uh, Shakir. That guy named Shakir, who I don't know who he is. But it, it seemed like in the postseason. It seemed like in the, sure the second half of that year where he became the number one receiver on the team. Stephon Diggs went away. I will say, though, that they are going to lose probably Stephon Diggs. So they're going to need a bona fide number one receiver, I think. I presume. Otherwise, they will have probably one of the worst wide receiving rooms. Yeah, Kincaid. Kincaid. Kincaid made a step up. As wide a, receiving as a, rooms. I'm talking wide yeah, receiving rooms. I know. Rooms. I know. I'm, just, I'm talking pass catcher. Um, I don't. I agree with you that Josh Allen is the guy. Josh Allen, without without a doubt, uh, at least certainly when it matters most, is the guy you'd want on your team. Saying that, the roster itself might need some help next season, mm -hmm. and that's where I disagree with this 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 ranking. All right. Fair enough. Listen. We'll, we'll, let the, we'll let the cards lie. I don't know what to tell you. I like Josh Allen. Now, they do have a defensive court, uh, head coach. I think McDermott's fine. I think he's, he's a good coach and everything like that. But, man, I would like to see what this team looks like with an offensive head coach. 
And coming in at number one, yes, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Listen, don't discount what you saw in the regular season, guys. I know that they did nothing in the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Once again, you can't blame a team for losing to a dynasty. They dominated almost every team they played week in and week out. They did it with Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. They did it with Lamar Jackson running the ball. They had the best running team in the league. They had the best defense in the league. And for one game, they got outplayed. If they would have won the Super Bowl, which they didn't, if they would have been, if they would have won the Super Bowl, the conversation we would have been having on, on Super Bowl Monday would have been, was this the best team we've ever seen? That's how good they were. A week after the Miami Dolphins, and I know they're fraudy, beat the Dallas Cowboys and wanted everyone to respect the Miami Dolphins, put some respect on our name. They lost by 40 to the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens punished, punished the 49ers in their own home. The team that went to overtime in the Super Bowl, the Ravens absolutely punished them. The Ravens are going to be good next year. Lamar Jackson's going to be fine next year. The Ravens seems the best team in the NFL. I have no doubts regarding the two-time MVP, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Again, despite how bad he played in that Chiefs game, which I'd argue was the offensive coordinator's fault more so because they completely changed the way they've been doing things all season, only rushing the ball like four times in a game. They were still in a position to win that game had Zay Flowers not had the egregious fumble in the end zone. They were still in a position to, to extend that game uh, and maybe maybe advance to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think they'll be a top three team next season uh, and certainly probably have the one seed in the AFC. All right, so I'm finally going through your guys' comments on my list. You guys gave me a lot of love in the first hour. Yeah. Reed has some base takes today. Reed's doing great. I want Reed to be the host permanently. Um, so far, I've got this list is ass. <laughs> this is the beginning of the end for off the bench after that list. You know I'm going to tweet all these guys. <laughs> this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Listen, we all have our opinions, and you're seeing my top ten list. We all have our opinions. This is mine. This is mine. And objectively, if your opinion's different than mine, you're wrong. Casey, you were you were held anxiously quiet over there. I saw your legs shaking. I saw you twitching when I brought up the Buffalo Bills at number two and the 49ers at three and the Rams at five, Chiefs at four. All of that. You were you were just chomping at the bit to tear my head apart. I just I think the list is not very good. It's not very <laughs> good, Reed. I, I just I don't see how you could have Baltimore or Buffalo ahead of Kansas. I think Kansas is like, even if they lose anyone, I think I think we we've seen enough to where like you just don't bet against Mahomes. That's fair until until he inevitably loses to someone else. I mean, I, I just I don't think that you can't have them number one. I think the 49ers, that's appropriate. The Bills, I think, are way too high. I think the Rams are way too high. I think the Bengals should be a little higher, and it's not even – for me, it's not even a debate because, I mean, they were the best team 
in the NFL for four weeks until Joe Burrow got hurt. Like, that's what the Bengals team is. That is who they are. And they were taking down the Bills, the 49ers, and they had the Ravens in a, in a really good spot there at the beginning of that game before he went down. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, other than that, um, I like where Houston's at. I like where the Packers are at. The biggest um, omissions probably from this list would be the Eagles. Nah. Didn't nah. have them in the top ten. That's uh, The Browns won nah. 11 games nope, with, with real, real, no real quarterback. The Dolphins. Dolphins are still a pretty nah. good team. Nah. Nah. Um, I think you have the right you teams could, in you the could, top ten. You could make, a, you could make an argument for a, a Jim Harbaugh, Chargers. Put them right at ten. I think you have the right – the right Jags, 10 teams. Maybe. I just think the order is off. It's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Final segment of the day is we'll go into fraud or for real. Ooh. Fraud or for real. We've done this before. It's not love it or hate it. It's not buy or sell. It's fraud or for real today. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about college basketball teams. We have yet to do this one. So let's dive right in. Let's just let's just jump right in, swan dive in, and we'll start off with the one that you guys all want to talk about: fraud or for real? Purdue Boilermakers. Ellie De La Rue. I hate it. I think <laughs> I think Purdue is a fraud year in year out. They've lost three straight times, three consecutive tournaments. They've lost to a seed that's higher than ten. How many times are you going to buy into this team, Zach Eady? I'm trying. I'm trying to make a comparison to the NFL. I don't know if I'm going to find it. But again, Zach Eady and Purdue—they're very good in the regular season. Very, very good. Ravens. But when it when it matters most, they choke every single time. I will not buy them. I will not buy them. And ever under any circumstance, will this team get to a Final Four? I'm going to say Matt Painter and the Purdue Boilermakers are going to get bounced in the first weekend again. Sell. So, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get bounced in the first weekend, but I, I have to agree with Elliot on this. They There's just something wrong with, with this team that they've been bounced. You said three times in a row? Three straight times. Maybe it just depends on where they fall because if they end up being like a – it probably be, won't happen. They're going to be one seed. They're going to be one seed. They're going to be a one. Yep. So they'll well, if they keep team. losing. They will not keep losing. St- <laughs> Here's my opinion. And I'm going to do the complete opposite of what I've done with the Dallas Cowboys. I've said for the longest time, hey, I'm done giving any credence to the Dallas Cowboys. That's your bet. That's your NFL comparison is the Dallas Cowboys. That's fair. I am going to say they're for real. It just seems mathematically unlikely that they lose to a double-digit seed again. Now, the benchmark I'm going to give the Purdue Boilermakers is the Elite Eight. If they don't get to the Elite Eight, I was wrong. If they get to the Elite Eight, I was right. So I'm going to say they're for real. If you're one of the final eight teams in the league, in the, in the, in the country, you're for real. You're for real. So I'll, I'll say for real. All right. We'll stay here in the Midwest. Go a bit south to Lexington. Kentucky Wildcats. Frauds or for real? I'm actually, I'm actually right now going to say that they're for real. I think when it comes time for March Madness, it's about who can score the most points, not as much of can you play the best defense? I think it's more about points, less about defense. They can score all the points. They can score at will. They can drop 95 a game. I actually buy this team. I, a lot of people are going to write them off. 
They're going to say Cal should be fired, as every Kentucky fan says every, every, single, year. Se every single season. Right now, I think they're for real. I think you're going to get a good spot where they're, they're probably a six seed or something ar around that nature. Um, and if you get that, I think you're going to make a run. I, I buy in. I'm buying in. I'm loving Kentucky. Mm. What are you loving them as? A what? Elite eight? I think they'll get to a uh, sweet 16 for sure. Yeah, I think they definitely make it sweet 16. I'm not sure if I'm confident enough to say elite eight. Um, I'm just looking at their schedule this year. They lost to Gonzaga by four, lost to Florida by three. Tennessee was a, a shootout, 103 to 92. If you if you get into their style of play, majority of their time, majority of the time, they're gonna probably outscore you. So it's really about who they're playing. Is it a team that they can that can keep up with them? Then they're going to be in trouble. If it's a team that can't keep up with them, I think they just outscore them every single time. Yeah, listen, every time. it's it, Paul convinced me on this as someone who who watches a lot more college basketball than I will ever probably watch. Paul would say like, listen, when you get in the tournament, scoring's what wins. You look at even like uh, the Xavier Musketeers. They scored a lot, didn't play great defense, made the Sweet 16 last year. Um, you, you fall in love with these defensive teams. Houston, I mean, they just mug you. I mean, if you watched that game last night against Iowa State, they were just mugging the Cyclones, just mugging them. Can't... But you get to the tournament, and all it takes is one plucky team to hit a couple shots, and they're right in that. Kentucky can put the ball in the hoop. They're for real. If this bracket... And again, this is just Joe Lenardi. I know everybody hates on Joe Lenardi. If this bracket, his, his projected bracket right now is correct, I would bet a large future on Kentucky. As of right now, again, doesn't mean anything. Five seed, they play South Florida. South Florida's been very good. I'd take Kentucky. They take the winner of Akron and San Diego State. Mountain West. We'll move Kentucky on. From the other side to advance to the uh, Final Four, you'd either play Purdue or Texas. Fraud, fraud. So I think Kentucky would then go to the Final Four and they'd win. Uh, I Again, I could be wrong. Joe Lenardi could be wrong. But as of right now, that's what I'm basing it on. All right. We'll go up to Wisconsin. Marquette, or as I like to call them, Market. Uh, the Marquette Golden Eagles. Fraud or frill? I'll start it off. I think they're the third best team in the Big East. I don't think they're the second best team. I think for some reason, I think Creighton's going to finally get over that hump and get to the, uh, make a deep run. I know they made it to the Elite Eight last year. Um, don't be surprised if Creighton uh, makes it all the way to the Final Four. They might get a big win tonight. Um, but as for Marquette, it's hard to gauge how people think of them, right? You look at the AP, they were top five just last week. Then they just get massacred by UConn. But similar to, like I say about teams that play Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not going to belittle teams that get, that get blown out by UConn. UConn, other than a month last year, they're on a historic two-year stretch. They might go back-to-back. -back. Marquette, I'll say bounces early in the, the tournament. Fraud. UConn is a wagon. I, I fully understand that. But it's hard for me to take you seriously if you're losing by 30-plus points to a team. That is a team that you're going to need to probably beat to win it all. Uh, and again, it seems like they've had some of these games. They lose to Wisconsin by 11. They lose to Providence by 15 points. Uh, you have these games where you're losing uh, at a significant rate. You're, you're just getting kind of blown out a little bit. Uh, and it happens. It's college basketball. It's a long season. But it seems to me like Marquette's fraudulent. I'm going to say they're fraudulent. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to sell it. 
Uh, I'm, I'm all out on Marquette. I think they're a good team. I think if they're able to play consistently, uh, at least the way they've, they've that, that's gotten them into a, a top 10 uh, ranking up until this point. If they're able to do that consistently in the tournament, they'll be great. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to be shocked uh, in the first round. Yeah, losing to our, our number Ooh. one fraud, Purdue, I think says a lot about what Marquette is. I think that they are like a good team in the regular season. I think uh, last year they made it to the, what, Sweet 16? Were they close, or did they get bounced in the first no couple rounds too? I forget. I think last year they Creighton only they made, made it to the, to the third. Yeah, I think they were they, in the Sweet 16. There's a lot of Big East teams in the Sweet 16. Yeah, so, Creighton, Xavier. I mean, I UConn. think that they can maybe make it there, but that's going to be a stretch this year. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to – I'm going to – Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell it. Sell I'm it. a fraud. He sells it. Sell. All right. <laughs> Hate it or love it. <laughs> What's what's so, awesome about uh, Elliot is that when you give him a when, when you push against one of his his segments, he just just leans into it, leans into it all the way. We're gonna bring back a draft or die, which was Trace's beloved segment, yeah, we'll do that. which was a good one. It's a good one. Draft, draft, or die. die. That's gonna be the cherry on top. We're gonna run draft, that. Draft, draft, die, die, die. All right. Oh, Big Twelve, Kansas Jayhawks, frauds or for real? It's hard to call a team that has had as much success as the Kansas Jayhawks. A fraud that I watch them play, and I don't think that they are going to be one of the final eight teams playing, and which is where I'm, I'm putting the benchmark on the fraud or for real. I don't think they're going to be one of the final eight teams. Fraud. I'm starting to believe you. I, I I'm a big Kansas fan when it comes to March. I think if you, if you're looking at teams that play their best when it comes time for the tournament, uh, you're looking at Tom Izzo. You're looking at you're, you're looking at Bill Self, and, and I think Kansas is elite. But saying that, I think they are going to be fraudulent. I think they are going. You're going to want to sell it, uh, and you're going to want to hate it because again, you lose by what is that? Thirty to Texas Tech. You've lost to Kansas State. Uh, the Bearcats, who God love them, God bless the Cincinnati Bearcats. But that was a game. It, at home, you almost lost to the Cincinnati Bearcats. I think the Bearcats are fine. I think they're borderline a tournament team. But saying all that. It just seems like they don't have it. It seems something seems different this year with the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, they lose to UCF. You lose to Iowa State. Iowa State's very, very good. You lose to West Virginia. Yeah, that's a bad one. So I, I, don't know. Bad I don't know. I think I think this team has lost so many games this year that you wouldn't normally think that they are capable of losing. That I think you can't buy in on them. You can't but, buy in on Kansas this year. I don't know if that's a case of like the, them being frauds or them just playing to their opponents because they. Whooped up on Houston. I mean, they they lost Marquette. I, I just called them a fraud. But like they, they <laughs> hey, don't I, don't get wrapped up in the circular logic that we're doing here. I don't know. I feel like for me, Kansas is just playing to their opponents. That's how I feel. It's they're tough, not. They're not. Conference. They're not. They're not playing. Yeah. They're not always playing to what they're st- like. What they should be as good as they should be. They're playing down to their opponents, or they're playing up to their opponents. That's how I describe the Kansas Jayhawks. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy because when it comes down to <laughs> it, they're gonna, gonna buy. He's gonna love it. I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna love it. <laughs> they, they, by the way, Marquette Golden Eagles did not make the Sweet 16 last year. They got bounced in the second round that's, by Michigan State. Izzo. That's what I thought. January, February, Izzo. Izzo. Yep, they were the two seed. All right, uh, the final team that we're gonna talk about a couple conferences. Final team we're gonna talk about Dayton Flyers. What do you think about a team from the A10? They're going to get a good seed. Can they get to a sweet 16? Am I buying? Am I selling? Do I love them? Do I hate them? Are they frauds? 
Are they for real? Dayton Flyers? I think they play too slow. Frauds. I'm selling too. I, and this is with love and respect. But if you're gonna give if you're gonna give Dayton a five seed, which I think is what you're, you're giving them right now, uh, I, I'm gonna take the other team, whoever they're playing. It doesn't really matter to me. I, I again, this is no knock on Dayton. It's a knock on their terrible conference. That is the A10. So Dayton, fraudulent, hate it, sell it, uh, get rid of it. Casey Room. Dayton, yeah, uh, by the way, Dayton Dayton is projected to play. I will wade. I will wade for you and McNeese State. So five versus twelve. I would hammer Will Wade. Yeah, I'm, I'm you, with you guys. Did I, you sprinkle I'm, in a Mumford I think that they and Sons just, reference? Uh, huh? Did you sprinkle in a Mumford and Sons reference? I will wade. I will wade for you. Nice. I don't think that this is a legit team. Mm, we're all we're all selling. We all Sell. hate it. We're all we're all frauds. Come I on. think they should just play Xavier every single game, every single season. <laughs> Don't put me in that corner. The Mountain West, fraud or for real? Fraud. For real. <laughs> for real. Fraud. That's a good conference. We should get Spur. We should call. They went to the championship last year. Can we video message Spur? See if he can come on and tell us why uh, the Mountain West is such a fraudulent conference. I do agree with him, though. It does seem like if it's not San Diego State, it's nobody. And and, and for that reason alone, I'll, I'll say fraud. I'll say I hate it. And I'll say that, uh, what's the other one? Sell it. I'll so, sell it. We got to sprinkle in a new one somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Aztecs, they did really, really well last year. I Correct. Believe. San Diego State's good. Yeah, they're they're really good. Um, I don't know how I feel about the rest of them. And I don't, I don't really don't understand it because they don't play. They only – they don't play anyone, right? They like, play they each just, other. They play each that's other, and that's, that's all that – They play a bunch of trash. I don't know. Listen, they're fine. They're fine. Over under four and a half wins in the tournament. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to fill out a bracket and take the 12 seed that plays Dayton. I cannot wait. Mortal lock. Is it going to be like last year when everyone took uh, Oral Roberts to take beat Duke? Yes. Now Bob's. I took Farley Dickinson. Did you really? Yes. I put only a dollar on it, but I had a feeling Purdue because I knew Purdue what they do. They come into the tournament and they lose. Love that. I. What was the What was the money line like? Thirty to one. Uh, it wasn't that bad actually. I think it was. Maybe plus 2,800 or something like that. I could be wrong. Oh, fair enough. All right. That was Fraud or For Real. That was the, the segment that we had. Elliot. So Trace texted me last night, and he said, hey, um, we got to meet with some advertisers, some sponsors. Um, can you take over the show? It was like 11 o'clock. And I said, yeah, I've got it. And he said, you can you can end it early. You can end it at 11, 1130. And uh, me and Elliot started texting with Casey. And he said, we'll just end it early. And I said, listen, we're going to go to 12. Before two minutes before we started the show today, he said, "Wow, we'll just end at 11:30." And I looked at him. I said, "Don't, don't put that in here. We're gonna go to 12. We have enough to talk about on this beloved Tuesday. It's gonna, the sun's gonna be shining. It's gonna be like 55 degrees later on. I think the University of Cincinnati Bearcats play a baseball game today. If you want to go do that, hey, yeah, that's a great stadium. It's one of my favorite college baseball stadiums. But we got to 12. By golly." And we did it for Casey's birthday. We did it for my top 10 list. We did it for Charlie Goldsmith. But most importantly, we did it for you guys and Anthony Rendon. We got a cherry on top? Uh, the buyers, <laughs> the no, drafter guy? I, I, I think no cherry on top. You don't want to do that one? Oh, you can do this one. You yeah, this is a cherry on top. So I have still not seen this. So 
Enjoy Sunday. Allie, you want to set this up? Yeah, this is a tough battle between Texas A&M Commerce versus Incarnate Word. And uh, as you can see here, UIW moves to... It always happens during the handshake line. It'll always happen during the handshake line. There they go. This is really not good. We've got punches being thrown. This is really bad. By the way, this is like a minute long. This whole... I know that might not sound like a lot, but we're here for a while. Scuffling. It's like Malice at the Palace, if the Palace was Incarnate Words Stadium. This is a brawl. Look at that crowd, too. Crowd's into it. If I was a fan, I think I would have stormed the court there, and I would just run out there. I wouldn't have fight, fought anybody. I would just sit in the back. Just screaming loud noises. I never got to do a, a bench clearing brawl in baseball. Still regret that. I love how they're like commentating on it. Like they're just going live. Like, they're just still live. I don't go to a commercial break. Can you imagine what they were telling the camera operators? Follow it. Follow it. Get the guy on the other side. Go to break. <laughs> go to break. Just have the production room go to break. What was that? Oh, man, that was good. That was a good brawl. Oh, very good. That was a good brawl. Never been in a big fight like that. Been in a couple of fights, but it's mo mostly just mano y mano. Didn't win a lot of them. Not a good fighter. Not passionate enough to be a good fighter. You know, you know what you never do in high school? You ever had a fight with like, a wrestler? And you're just you're just trying oh, yeah. to you're just trying to throw punches, maybe get a tackle in there, get on top. I mean, the wrestler puts you puts puts you in a a move that you I mean you just have no counter to. They got training. It's not fun. So don't fight a wrestler. All right, guys, this has been off the bench. Thank you for being in here today. Unfortunately, normally when I host, there's people telling me how much I suck. There's people saying nice words today. There's people saying nice words. So. I don't know what I'm going to tweet out. Normally, it's uh, the reviews are in. <laughs> Positive is normal. I guess I got to go against that and say everyone hated me today. Guys, thank you so much. Trace will be back tomorrow. We'll have Fox Lunch tomorrow. Later on today, we will have our stream for the members only as we're trying to take the Bengals to a Super Bowl. Mr. Pawnee Water is probably going to fire us six or seven times. That's right. Probably going to be some profanity. But thank you guys so much for being here today. It's been a lot of fun. We'll see you tomorrow.